morning and welcome to the January 18th, 2023 hybrid meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight and he is joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner Alex Lemberg, Commissioner John Trisvina, and Commissioner J.R. Epler. Also present is Deputy City Attorney John Givner who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Chris Buck, Urban Forester, representing San Francisco Public Works, Bureau of Urban Forestry, and Melinda Sullivan, Project Manager with San Francisco Rec and Park Department, Capital Improvement Division. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The rules of presentation are as follows. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three minute periods. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Time may be limited to two minutes if the agenda is long or if there are a large number of speakers. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination. If you have questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules, the hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGovTV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGovTV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGovTV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person. Two, via Zoom. Go to our website, click on meetings, and then click on the Zoom link. Uh, or three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 897-5972-6404. And again, SFGovTV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you are watching the live stream or broadcast. To block your phone number when calling in, first dial star 67, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star 9, which is the equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star six to unmute yourself. You will have two or three minutes depending on the length of the agenda and the volume of speakers. Our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there's a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it is very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers, otherwise there's interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we'll take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. Now, we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say I do after you've been sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? 
Okay, thank you. If you are a participant and you're not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. So, commissioners, we have one ha housekeeping item. Item number six, appeal number 22-087 at 734 Dolores Street has been withdrawn by the appellants. So that matter will not be heard tonight. And I understand we expect a lot of public comment. So after consultation with President Swig, public comment is limited to two minutes this evening. Okay, we are now moving on to item number one. This is a special item. Uh, consideration of possible adoption of a resolution which makes findings to allow teleconferenced meetings under California Government Code Section 54953, subsection E. I move to adopt uh, the resolution. Okay. Is there any public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. I see one hand raised. Okay, no, the hand went down. Okay, so on the motion to adopt the resolution, Vice President Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Trisvina? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. That motion carries five to zero and the resolution is adopted. So item number two is election of officers. Article one, section one of the board rules requires the annual election of officers at this time of year. Thank you, President Swig and Vice President Lopez for your help and service this past year. So we will now start with the office of the president. Are there any members of the board who would like to nominate a colleague or themselves for the office of the president? Am I recognized? Um, I would like to uh, also join in, in thanks for President Swig's service <laughs> and nominate him for another term as president. Thank you. Okay, is there any public comment on this motion to nominate President Swig again. Okay, I don't see any hands raised, so on that motion, Commissioner Trisvina? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Yes, please. Okay, uh, that motion carries five to zero, and I guess I should have asked, are you willing to serve? I'm assuming yes. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We are now moving on to the office of vice president. Are there any members of the board who would like to nominate a colleague or themselves for this office? Yes, I'd like to uh, nominate Commissioner Lopez to continue as vice president of this commission, please. Okay, is there any public comment on this motion? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any public comment. I do, Commissioner Trisvina, did you want to speak? Uh, yes, I may, both on the last motion or on this motion. I don't suppose there's a lot of debate on it, but I don't think the motion should go by without uh, really uh, uh, discussing the, the, the merits of both individuals. And I would say, as a new member of this uh, commission, uh, that I can say that uh, uh, my needs, and I think the, the board's needs, and most definitely the public's needs, have been well served over the past year. Uh, by uh, President Swig and Vice President Lopez, and I'm proud to support both of them for another year. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So on President Swig's motion to uh, re-elect uh, Vice President Lopez into that position, uh, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trisvina? Yes. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. That motion carries five to zero, and congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so we are now moving on to item number three. This is general public comment. This is an opportunity for 
anyone who would like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. I see two hands raised. Josh Clip, please go ahead. This is general public comment. Mr. Clip, we can't hear you. Okay, can you hear me if I speak on the phone like this? Yes. Okay, uh, yeah, it looks like the SFGov TV staff mic is muted, so just so you're aware, you're not coming through to the public who are participating on Zoom. Okay, I'm sorry, it, you're, we are not coming through clearly on Zoom? No, you're not coming through at all. If I, when I hold my mouse over the, um, Zoom screen, it says that the uh, identifying here, SFGovTV space staff is muted. It's got a red line through a red mic. So it's not coming through on my computer and I checked my audio and it, my audio is working. So I am wondering if somebody forgot to unmute a microphone. Okay. On the well, SFGovTV side. Okay, thanks for bringing this to our attention. Alec, can you check with SFGovTV to see the status of Zoom? Is there anyone else here by Zoom who is not having problems? Can you raise your hand? So I see Kenny Bruzone, you're attending by Zoom. Are you having any problems? So the SFGov TV staff is shown as muted, but the clerk's desk has the audio coming through. I'm not sure if that's by design, but we can hear you, but it's through the clerk's desk rather than SFGov TV. Uh, that's how it's run. It's run Zoom through the clerk's desk. So that's but, where the audio you're hearing. But you're not having a problem hearing or seeing us, correct? That's correct. Okay, great. Thank you. So, uh, Mr. Clip, I'm not sure what your issue is. Other people are well, able I'm to... Wondering if I'm just wondering if there's a difference between what the participants can, what the webinar participants can hear and what the panelists can hear. Okay. I see Irma Lewis is in the attendee queue and I'll promote you to panelists. Ms. Lewis, are you having any issues with Zoom? Can you hear and see us? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, so Mr. Clip, I'm not sure what your issue is. She's in the attendee queue. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I, I, I left and restarted, so I don't know. Maybe I'll just uh, reboot my computer after this. Um, I wanted to make public comment, but I was hoping to share my screen. I don't know if there's a way to do that, um, but maybe you can just promote me and I can talk through my phone and share my screen if that's possible. Sure. Can you promote him to panelists, please? And, and then please, if you could unpromote me when I'm done so I'm not sitting, sitting up there. Okay. Sure. Okay, let's see here. So public comment is limited to two minutes tonight. Uh, yeah, just, just a moment. I, I thought I was at this, okay. Okay. Can everyone uh, see my screen? Yes, we see your screen. So um, at the December 14th, 2022 hearing before you, um, the city representative had complied with an order previously issued by the board. And specifically uh, in October, 2019, this board granted a tree removal permit to Tesla so that it could install 
um, a new power vault on the condition that six new 24-inch box trees be planted in the Civic Center or Tenderloin within six months and that those trees be paid for by the determination holder, meaning paid for by Tesla. And uh, in December, I pointed out to the board that this hadn't been done, and the city responded that this was actually done and completed in August 2022. Uh, in actuality, the public did not receive six 24-inch box trees. We got six 15-gallon trees that were planted by Friends of the Urban Forest, and they were not paid for by Tesla. They were funded by a CAL FIRE grant, uh, part of a larger planting that FUF implemented throughout the Tenderloin with volunteer labor funded by grant money. And I bring this up to make the point that the success of city governance really rests on the public's ability to keep faith in it. And we need to believe that when we engage in this public process and bring these appeals and the board orders the department to do something that it will uh, in fact be done and that these details matter. And so in any and all board orders that uh, where a city department is ordered to take some action, I would just respectfully encourage the board to fashion an order that requires compliance, even if that means retaining jurisdiction until compliance can be proven and done. And with my remaining time, I want to also reiterate a suggestion I made to this board in the past, which is to suggest the creation of an alternative dispute resolution process uh, that would allow the parties to engage with one another, not adversarially, but cooperatively uh, with the goal of reaching mutual outcomes and partnerships between the city uh, and its people and communities. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Ms. Rosenberg, may I respond, please? Yes. <clears throat> um, thank you, Mr. Clip, for that commentary. As you know, I, I looked into this very specific issue um, several weeks ago when you raised it in a brief. Uh, I uh, called uh, Buff. I um, spoke with the representative who's in this room tonight, and he he absolutely assured me, confirmed that that this has been t taken care of. So I would like to make a formal request to Buff to tell us the truth, prove that you're telling us the truth, because this is a credibility issue, and if I can't believe a, a response uh, from a city department, then, th then this is a problem. Then our trust is breached. So, uh, so uh, I, I join Mr. Clip in asking for that uh, written proof with documentation, photos, all the numbers, all the times, all the dates, um, or else we can't trust you. And that would be unfortunate. It undermines our relationship. Thank you, Mr. Clip, for bringing that up. Uh, we, can, we can continue. Okay, thank you. We are now uh, on the caller whose phone number is ending in 1106. Please go ahead. You had your hand raised. Do you need to press star six to unmute yourself? Yes, go ahead, please. You have two minutes. Yes, uh, 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 this is Mark Ruberg with the San Francisco Taxi Workers Alliance. Uh, as I missed your last meeting, I wanted to thank uh, Vice President Lopez and the board for your letter to the MTA concerning taxi appeals. I hope it'll help them uh, understand the importance of this right for those of us in the taxi community including not only medallion holders, but all taxi drivers and companies as well. I would take issue um, with uh, one aspect of the letter. It assumes that the MTA has the authority to refuse to allow these appeals if it decides to do so. We believe the charter language giving the MTA exclusive authority over taxi functions does not conflict with your jurisdiction over appeals. I know the city attorney has offered you different advice, but if the question ever comes before you, which it might, I hope you will address it uh, with an open mind. 
I also want to urge you not to agree to any proposals coming from the MTA that would restrict the right of taxi appellants. A decade ago, the MTA drafted an MOU that would have rendered the appeal right virtually meaningless. The MOU would have eliminated the right to a hearing de novo, the right of an interested member of the public to take an appeal, the right of members of the public to participate in the hearing, the right of this board to modify a hearing officer's decision, and the right of an appellant to request a rehearing. Ask yourselves how eager the MTA seconds. would be to propose these kind of restrictions if the hearing officer's decisions were regularly going against them. This board was correct to reject the MOU back then, and I hope you would do the same now. Getting four votes here is already a steep climb, even without loading the dice. Taxi appellants deserve the same rights as any other appellants to this board. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any further general public comment? Please raise your hand. I don't see any, so we will move on to item number four, commissioner comments and questions. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank my fellow commissioners for entrusting me the privilege of serving them as their president for the, the next year. Uh, as you have come to understand, I take this job real seriously and probably too personally. Uh, but uh, your, your trust in, uh, in honoring me with this position is, is uh, very important, and I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Anybody else? Mr. Lopez. I, I want to echo that uh, appreciation uh, to my fellow commissioners, and thank you for the support, and looking forward to another great year. Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. I don't see any hands raised, so we will now move on to item number five, the adoption of the minutes. Commissioners before you for consideration and possible adoption are the minutes of the January 4th, 2023 meeting. Commissioners, any comments or a motion to approve? Mr. Trisvina? I move to approve the minutes as presented. Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment on that motion? Please raise your hand. I don't see any public comments, so on that motion to adopt the minutes, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. Okay, that motion carries five to zero and the minutes are adopted. And um, we are now, as I previously said, item six, the appeal has been withdrawn. So we are moving on to item number seven. This is appeal number 22-089, Telegraph Hill Dwellers versus San Francisco Public Works, Bureau of Urban Forestry. Subject property, 69 Green Street, appealing the issuance on November 14, 2022, to Kenny Bruzzoni of a public works order. Approval to remove three street trees with replacement. The structural conditions of the ficus trees are very poor. There are wounds from vehicles hitting the trees and co-dominant stems which, with included bark, which makes the trees prone to failure. This is order number 207-303. And we will hear from the appellants first. Welcome. You have seven minutes. Thank you very much. Uh, I want housekeeping, first of all, my speaker card. And also, uh, uh, President Swig, I wonder if it would be possible for copies of this presentation to be distributed to the members. Sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm Stan Hayes. And I'm here today on behalf of the Telegraph Hill Dwellers as co-chair of our Planning and Zoning Committee and a former president. We're the appellants in this matter, of course, and today we're asking you 
to overturn the Public Works decision to remove these three street trees at 69 Green. You know, our argument to you is, is really pretty straightforward. Nothing complicated, it's pretty simple. Here's why. These trees were approved for removal based on their health and condition alone. After the tree removal order, but prior to this appeal hearing, the developer pruned the trees. And after pruning, a local respected independent arborist who we consulted determined the, the trees are fine. As evidence of this, the trees have successfully withstood multiple very strong winter storms, 10 of them since Christmas, I understand, all demonstrating that no basis remains for re approving the removal of the trees, which is why we're asking you to grant our appeal and overturn the decision to remove these trees. So why, why remove these trees in the first place? What does a developer really want? Well, the developer is seeking to remove these trees, not really for safety reasons, but for convenience of construction access. And you can see that from their online permit application, which is replicated at the top of this slide, which says that street tree removal is needed for, quote, access for renovation work. And at the bottom, you can see an RFI entitled, quote, tree removal needed for construction access. With the tree removal needed to, quote, accommodate installation of the sloped curtain wall system. So here's a little bit of factual background. The tree removal notice was posted on August 29th. The box that was checked, as you can see, says, quote, dying slash in poor condition underlined slash weak slash diseased. Not checked was the box that contains the words public safety hazard. The order approving the removal of the trees was issued by Public Works on November 14th, and we appealed the decision to you folks on November 29th, and, and here we are. So here's a little context. As you can see here, these three street trees are on a block with more than a dozen ficus trees on both sides of that block. Yet no other trees are proposed for removal. These trees are in the Northeast Waterfront Historic District where few other street trees are being added. These trees are being proposed for removal at the same time. The San Francisco Urban Forest Plan calls for the addition of 50,000 new street trees by 2034, a 50% increase. So, what exactly do these trees look like? Here's a picture of the trees before pruning. This is how they looked. Since then, of course, the developer has significantly pruned these trees, done so professionally by a professional tree firm. So how much of a difference, how much of a difference did that make? Here's how the trees look during pruning. You can see how much of the branches and foliage were removed. And here's how the trees looked after pruning. You can see how different the two tree or the three trees looked. From here, well, it seems to have frozen.
I paused your time. Ah. So during pruning, after pruning, before pruning, after. So whatever risk there was before, after pruning, the trees are now healthy and viable. We asked a well-known local arborist, Roy Leggett, his assessment. As you know, he's the owner of tree management experts in San Francisco. He's a certified arborist and is tree risk management qualified. And he sent to us the email that you see here. In it, he says, quote, I agree that these trees look fine. The branch structure is excellent for the species, and the pruning work was done very well by a skilled pruner. The cages need to go, and basins opened up and expanded. Maintenance. Not removal, he says. Maintenance. Also, we want to clear up a few things. There have been concerns expressed that these trees have caused sidewalk damage. Well, that's not so. Here's a picture. Take a close look at this picture. As you can see, there is no damage visible here. And another thing. Of course, we all know that it's been a long series of strong and at times violent winter storms that struck the Bay Area recently with high gusts and sustained winds. Just during the week of January 1st to January 7th alone, there were 289 street trees that fell in San Francisco all throughout the city, as shown in this map. Based, though, on Bureau of Urban Forestry data, more than 200 of these locations have no ficus trees in the vicinity. In any event, no damage occurred to the three recently pruned ficus trees at 69 Green, or for that matter, any of the more than a dozen other ficus trees on that block. So that's our story. It's not complicated. It's pretty simple. Here are our conclusions once again. Simple pruning was all it took for these trees to be in fine condition. The developer's own pruning work has shown the trees to remain viable. As evidence, the trees have successfully withstood multiple major winter storms, and there's no sidewalk damage. All of this demonstrating the tree removal is not needed. So please, please, in closing, please grant our appeal and overturn the decision to remove these trees. Thank you. Thank you. We will now hear from the termination holder, Mr. Bruzzoni. Hopefully I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Yes, thank you. Thank Can you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, welcome, you have seven minutes. I'm just gonna share my screen quickly. Can you see that? Yes, we can. <clears throat> Great. My name is Kenny Brizzoni, and I'm representing the owner of 69 Green Street today. As a bit of background, on December 8th, 2022, 25% of the canopy was pruned to provide clearance for both vehicles and structures as the canopies of the trees were in contact with the facade of 69 Green Street and street side branches have been repeatedly struck by vehicles. This was approved by DPW and urban arborists completed the pruning work using best practices. Having said this, the pruning did not ameliorate all issues facing these trees as only secondary and tertiary branches were pruned. 
The trees are the species Ficus microcarpa nitida. DPW has an entire webpage devoted to this specific type of tree. The website states, quote, they are known for their impressive canopy. However, there are serious issues with ficus trees. Their height, structure, canopy size, pruning history, and roots can make them more susceptible to limb failure and or collapse, putting people and property at risk. As San Francisco's ficus trees begin to age, making them more vul vulnerable to failure, the risks associated with them are beginning to outweigh the benefits they provide. Due to the amount of sidewalk and other infrastructure damage that is caused by roots, and the species history of large limb failures, DPW has banned the planting of ficus trees as street trees since the late 1990s and in 2014 to officially address the numerous and mounting issues with these trees, the Director of Public Works issued Order Number 183151, Tree Removal Criteria for Ficus Trees. The pruning of the trees in question provided clearance from the building structure and partially provided clearance from vehicle strikes However, these trees still meet the following criteria required for removal under this order. Number one, DPW's website states that, quote, the roots of ficus trees can cause severe damage to sidewalks, making them buckle and create tripping hazards. This characteristic is apparent in the three trees in question here. You can see here that the tree grate is, um, has already begun to warp from the roots, and this effect will only continue as time goes on, impacting the sidewalk potentially in the future. Also worth noting that trimming the trees does nothing to ameliorate the root damage issue that these tree trees are known for. Number two, most importantly, competing slash co-dominant stems. Um, large trees with multiple competing co-dominant stems with acute angles of attachment where pruning of the limb to mitigate the attachment would remove 30% of the tree canopy. Co-dominant stems tend to fail much more, than, more often than others. The codominant stem characteristic is, is still present within all three trees, even after pruning 25% of the canopy. This fact has been confirmed by the arborists we have been working with. To paraphrase the sentiments shared with us, quote, the first bifurcations of the trunks are where your most prob problematic codominant stems exist in these trees, making a large portion of each tree prone to failure. The earlier pruning of secondary and tertiary limbs did nothing to solve this issue, end quote. Any additional pruning to mitigate the existing codominant stem characteristic would remove much more than 30% of the tree canopy, making these trees candidates for removal under this code. Here you can see the primary trunk and the codominant stems in each of the three trees after pruning. And here you can see, this is from the Department of Public Works website, Specifically for ficus trees, this shows the effect of codominant stem failure, real examples in San Francisco. Number three, large limbs damaged by vehicles. If there are large limbs that have been repeatedly hit by vehicles where pruning off the limb to mitigate the damage would remove 30% or more of the canopy. There remains evidence of vehicle strikes even after 25% of the canopy was pruned. So here we have a, a large branch that is existing today, still existing, and uh, with, as you can see, evidence of heavy damage from vehicle strikes um, in the past. Public Works Order Number 187246 sets criteria for tree planting. The existing trees defy several characteristics that the department is looking for when planting new trees, including the following. One, tree 
Trees are to be planted more than three feet from parking meters. The existing trees are well within three feet of the parking meters. You can see this here in Exhibit 7 as well as Exhibit 1. Basin surfacing. Tree grates and other structural basins, basin covers are strongly discouraged as over time they can become a tripping hazard and can interfere with the growth of a tree. The tree basins currently contain metal grates and metal supports. The tree grates being a tripping hazard is already apparent as we saw in Exhibit 1, and in one case, the tree has grown into the vertical support structure, which you can see here. Also worth noting that the codominant stems exist right above where this tree has grown into the brace, making this uh, very structurally unsound. It is also worth highlighting that our proposed removal is with replacement. Our replanting plan, which is, was submitted as a part of the removal application, was characterized as, quote, a robust plan upon review by the Department of Public Works staff. You can see this characterization in Exhibit 9. Owners requested Board of Appeals action. The owner requests that the Board of Appeals uphold the Department of Public Works approval recommendation, allowing the owner to proceed with the removal of the three trees in front of 69 Green Street. Thank you. Thank you. We have a question from Commissioner Trisvina. Uh, thank you, Mr. Brazon. Can you go into a little bit more detail as to the replacement plan? Is that going to be at or near 69 Green at all? Uh, it, it is in in the locations approximately of the existing trees in and, front of 69 Green. And you've described the, the various problems with the trees that obviously pruning doesn't help with the location next to a parking meter or, or the vehicle issues. Can you explain what the, what the goal of pruning was at this point? The goal of printing was to provide access to the front of the building or clearance from the front of the building, as well as clearance from the street due to numerous vehicle strikes occurring on the branches on the street side and the branches physically being in contact with the facade of 69 Green Street. So do the trees and their prune condition um achieve the ability for people to have access to the building and and uh, make it less likely that vehicles are going to damage it? Uh, so the answer to the first question, yes, the the separation of the tree trees from the facade of 69 Green has been improved um, in terms of vehicular uh, interaction with these branches. There there still remains um, at least one major branch that is still an issue. That was the one, the photo that I um, highlighted in the presentation. Um, so partially is the answer to the second part of that question. Okay. And, and, and finally, there, it seems that the, the Hill uh, Dwellers Association, their expert says that the structure of the tree is fine, whereas either the city or your presentation says there's very poor structural condition. You mentioned the codominant stems. The, the, can you explain why, the, why there is such a difference of view? Um, as, as someone who is not an arborist myself, I, I cannot really guess at why that difference exists. I will just state the fact that the, the Bureau of Urban Forestry agreed with the opinion of mm -hmm. our arborist. And um, in recent conversations with our arborist, they did state that 
it doesn't take an expert to take a look at these trees and and tell that codominant stems are are present here and would and have the potential of causing uh you know major limb failures which are common in this species of tree okay thank, thank you very much thank you okay thank you i don't see any further questions at this time so we'll now hear from the department Good evening, Commissioners. Chris Buck with Bureau of Urban Forestry within Public Works. Um, the primary reason for approving the trees for removal is the poor structure of the trees that wasn't fully addressed by the pruning. Um, so that's going to be our pretty straightforward response. Um, we'll circle back. I was hoping for more information from the applicant about constructability or um, inability to carry on with renovation. So I'm a little bit, um, I can cover the, the health of the trees and the structure of the trees, but I would, I would like to um, hear more about that because at our public works hearing, that was certainly more present were some structural issues with how uh, renovations could um, be reasonably conducted. So we're gonna come back to that, but I'm gonna really focus largely on the trees. Um, so, as you've heard this evening, we do have a concern about ficus trees in general. Does that mean every ficus tree is doomed to um, be removed? The answer is no. We actually have thousands of ficus trees still. We did go through the worst first several years ago. Very painful, um, difficult, yet public works believes necessary approach to being proactive once we became responsible for managing all the trees in San Francisco. And we'll, we'll focus in on that. Um, regarding just the tree anatomy or physiology, two stems of the same size are generally considered to be uh, tr stems that are potential to fail. So that's an image on the left. Now, you see two stems or trunks with about the same size. Those, those can be prone to fail. What's worse than that are two stems of roughly equal size that don't have a wide union, a wide branching attachment. Then what you have is the term referred to as included bark, where both stems physically are gonna grow laterally, literally against each other. And so the concern here is a very specific structural um, point within a tree that you can point to just like you can with an engineer. When we look at how to troubleshoot certain other issues in San Francisco about how to keep things straight from sinking, there are engineers who point to specific issues and say, okay, this is the weak point. This is the area we need to address. So it's difficult to predict. No one ever predicts when a tree will fail. But when we respond to damaged trees, you typically can see where a tree has failed. It's rarely in the middle of a stem. It's usually where they join other stems and or it could be a root failure. So this is just some of the, the nomenclature regarding what we're speaking about. On our website, we do have this diagram that talks about uh, the co-dominant stems and how they um, are prone to fail. We've had a lot of articles uh, in the newspaper over the last many, many years. This public works order, the tree removal criteria for ficus trees was approved 
by a director in 2014. So we are almost coming up on nine years since we started to address this issue. Here's a visual, it's a just three and a half pages that talks about specific structural deficiencies that are prone to fail. Now, just in the last year, a year ago, we had this notable ficus tree fail right at Vallejo and Columbus. I mention this because we went through quite an, ex not an exercise, but a necessary process of evaluation and removal and replacement of trees on Lombard Street as you head up to Coit Tower on Telegraph Hill. So I understand and respect Telegraph Hill dwellers. I understand the history. It's the first neighborhood organization in the city. Um, they wanted to protect and defend the historic nature of that part of the neighborhood. I, I appreciate that. But they also have to acknowledge that ficus trees that we've allowed remain are still failing. Another example was last week during storms, the ficus tree on Broadway uh, by the Wells Fargo, right around the corner of the greatest building in the city, City Lights, this ficus tree partially failed. So we still have failures across the city. These are the subject trees. I did visit them myself. We covered this information at our public works hearing about the structural defects and concerns that we have with ficus. The pruning hasn't, it has reduced potential failure. But that's not what we're looking at. We're saying these are three relatively young ficus trees with a lot of structural defects. We've reviewed that application, and there may be um, disagreement in the community about the goals of the applicant. But we have to look at the trees themselves and look at what the structure gives us. So this is tree one. It looks very similar to the example we had on our website of how we don't want a, a ficus tree to be structured. These trees were not maintained by Public Works. They became our responsibility on July 1st, 2017. So they have not benefited from routine or regular structural pruning to enhance structure and reduce the likelihood of failure. Here we have a large uh, section of decay below two co-dominant stems. So you have two co-dominant stems sitting right above a decay pocket. This is an area that is a concern long-term. It is a concern tomorrow? No. We're, we're saying long-term, someone's approached us, someone's applied to remove these trees, and we need to be upfront and um, very honest about the structure of the trees that we see. What I'm highlighting in yellow are these callus rolls. Very large callus rolls, this means there is a good amount of decay present, which means those callus rolls are responding to that decay to try to compartmentalize and close that out. It's a race. Can this tree add back sound wood before the tree becomes too decayed? So tree one, tree still has poor structure, and I'd note that this is after the- 30 seconds. So as we go through each of the subject trees, the trees were approved for removal by Public Works because the structure remains poor. Our one year with experience, urban forestry inspector, plenty of experience in the industry, but one year with us, he was approached by the applicant, can we prune these trees? He said, you gotta follow the standards. They said, okay. Had he come to me, I would have said, no, this is in the jurisdiction of Board of Appeals, no pruning until we come to the hearing. Thank we, you. We apologize time. that that was allowed, but it was done with, Thank you. Uh, with good intentions. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Buck. We have a question from President Swig. 
So um, thank you for educating us once again on the ficus trees and the co-domination co um, co issues, which um, you have reiterated over and over again. And I have observed as I drive around our city everything that uh, you have said, and, and, and uh, thanks, thanks for the, uh, the education. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about the, the original issuance and the original grounds of why these trees uh, uh, were sentenced to death. Um, the, uh, it, it, it was, the whole conversation was about renovation. Is it, is it not? Is it completely counter what, to what you've told us? As much as you've told us about co-domination, you've also told us redundantly that when, when it comes to rent, the convenience of a developer to renovate or improve a property, hey, guess what? Trees first, renovation second. Why, why did this, why was this, uh, why wasn't this thrown out in the first place? And secondly, in conjunction with that, why didn't the city uh, and, and DPW uh, go and fix the go and fix the problem, which I think the developer has done, which is lighten the load through uh, professional um, professional uh, professional arborist activity to lighten the load on the tree. You know, as you lighten the load, you take down all the the, the branches. Then then the pressure on the co-domination and the potential split of the tree. Uh, is lessened significantly, correct? So, so why didn't the city, in the spirit of saving the trees, which were, you know, by some some counts, fifty thousand behind, my count at least twenty to thirty thousand behind. Uh, that's a lot. Doesn't matter. Uh, why didn't the city step up and say, okay, we're going to lighten the load. We're going to look at these trees and take care of our business, as is what the city's supposed to do, and Im implement the responsibility that they have to protect the trees. Uh, regardless, especially when it's, it tearing them down is just simply for re renovation and construction. Sure, thank you, Commissioner. Um, as I stated in my opening comments, I'm a little uh, perplexed as to why the um, applicant's focus is was 100% on the condition of the trees when at our public works hearing, even though it's not outlined in the resulting public works decision, I do recall some robust discussion around ability to access uh, the, the site. So I am concerned that that wasn't mentioned at all during their presentation. Um, we are approached with projects. We evaluate the tree conditions. These ficus trees have very poor structure. Mr. Leggett, I've worked with and known for you know nearly a quarter century, um, completely don't understand what he's looking at. That's why I provided photos with arrows in technical terminology. I don't believe that's a, a fair assessment. I question that assessment. Public Works and Mr. Leggett couldn't be further apart on the issue of ficus trees. I heard, so there's nothing in the report that was submitted with respect to the Telegraph Hill dwellers. These structures not fine, so we vehemently disagree with Mr. Leggett's assessment of that. We were approached by the applicant to remove these trees. We evaluate structure first. Then we say, okay, what's the real, you know, what's the reason you want to remove these? Um, so we have three, three ficus trees with very poor structure. 
very well documented, poor structure. Um, they're not the biggest trees in the world. So, um, you know, that's, that's if, if there's no compelling argument from the applicant that there's a physical obstruction preventing them from doing work, then now we're stuck with what do we do with three trees that are very well documented as having poor structure uh, and kind of leaving us a little bit out in the breeze. So that's, that's my reply. There, I'm a little... Therefore, that presents a liability to the city because if indeed the tree falls tomorrow on a, on a car, it becomes the city's fault as opposed to anybody at Mother Nature's because you already know about it, right? Uh, true, Commissioner. And I, and I, I want to let the public know when a tree can be pruned to mitigate structure, to reduce likelihood of failure, it's the first thing you consider. So... You know, that's been considered. We're looking at long-term maintenance of these trees. So um, that's, that's kind of where we are at this point. And uh, tell me about is, am I misinformed? You can tell me the truth, because I, I just I kind of admonish you for the potential of me not getting the truth on another case. Uh, but am, am I misinformed when I say that if these trees, with, with the pruning of these trees, it lightened the load, lightened the stress on the code domination weakness, and therefore potentially extended, limited the liability, and potentially extended the life of the tree? Correct, Commissioner. The pruning, pruning the overall canopy of the trees, reducing weight in that potential load, that is a mitigation, and that does give them uh, more uh, of a shot. Now, again, long term, okay. You know, can we come back and and monitor these, keep an eye on them? That's something I hadn't even considered because we we just weren't even in that that realm of of review. Um, but if there's no physical obstruction that's preventing them from from making renovations. Now we're just back to really looking at the structure of the trees and what, what can we accept. Now on our notice, we didn't mark that it's diseased or dying. Um, it's more complicated than that. I recommend to my team typically customize, don't check the box, explain it, spell it out. A few sentences go a long way. I certainly don't like to have that brought up at a hearing and said, well, what about the original reasons? Um, because we also have information on our website where we, I'm sure, had information about the co-dominant stems. So the concern for us is that the tree, they're ficus trees, they have poor structure long-term, not, not a good tree to have here. Um, can we retain them for a period of time that uh, allows a cooling off period of a certain number of years, reevaluate, we have a regular uh, maintenance cycle, uh, Street Tree SF, every three to five years. Leave it up to the next time we have, we've come through to identify maintenance and or removals. But in absence of a compelling physical need to remove the trees, um, the mitigation of the failure, perhaps when I come back for potential rebuttal, I, I could have give that some thought. Okay, uh, clarification, please. You you lose, use the, uh, the term long term. Long term is in the mind's eye. Give me some years on long term or some months on long term, please. Sure. Um, the the trees themselves are not uh, in our true removal uh, criteria for ficus trees. 
the emphasis many years ago was the largest, largest, tallest ficus, the ones that would really um, cause the greatest potential damage or harm in the public right-of-way. Um, these ficus, this, these three ficus, other ficus on that block are, are certainly, they've been there a long time. Um, they are not large, time. you know. Please, please use, if you can, use long time. Sure, let me, yeah, My let me. long time is one year, your long time is 100 years. You know, what, give me, give, please give me years, Chris. Sure, I would, I would say five to ten years. Um, again, the, the structural issues are not going to get better. Um, five to ten years to just continue and keeping an eye on them. Um, Is five to ten years going to create a critical liability to keeping these trees in that spot uh, r right now or in your view, is this creating critical liability that is putting the public at risk at this time? Great question. These are not a, a critical risk at this time. It was a 30-day removal posting or a 30-day approach, um, not a imminent hazard, immediate hazard. This is more long-term some issues here. We want to acknowledge that. So no, the answer is no. There's no immediate public safety concern. And especially with the mitigation that has been completed by the arborist, correct? Correct. Okay. Final question. Uh, uh, if they were to be removed, what's the replacement tree? Sure. The replacement species is fern pine. It's an ever, evergreen tree. Um, it would be three 24-inch box trees. We weren't um, pushing for anything greater than that because, again, we're looking at the three trees as not great assets. So. Um, the three 24-inch box trees is what is proposed for replacement. Thank you. I'll let uh, Mr. Trisvini to ask his questions. Sure. Uh, thank you, President Speaking. You asked a number of the questions I was uh, or on my mind, so I appreciate that. Um, and I want to note that our last meeting we met uh, over Zoom because of the because of the bad weather, and yet your team was out protecting trees, inspecting trees, protecting the public. And I want to say I appreciate the work that you and your team do uh, for, for the city. On this particular case, um, and, and I'm, I'm glad you explained the, the difference between your, your, team's, your and your team's view and that of the arborists from, for, from, from the Telegraph Hill Dwellers Association. And I, 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 so I think you've explained that there's just a drastic difference. I'm wondering, though, um, how does uh, the, the, these trees uh, go, going, going forward? Um, the pruning helps on some aspects of the health of the tree and the danger, um, but they're still located right next to these parking meters. Is that an issue? Of, of all the issues we talked about, is, pro is that proximity a, a major consideration for us that we should be considering? Or? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I'm not concerned about meters and, again, sidewalk, as shown, was not a, a factor in, um, in this particular site. The species can be brutal on sidewalks. At this site, not shown to be so at this moment. Okay. And the other question I had is, um, again, looking at the longer term, if these trees are in the condition that they're in, um, they will be replaced uh, if, if uh, on, on one side they will be replaced with the the the, the replacement trees. 
Can you uh, speculate how well we would be served at the at the period of time, whatever year that is, the 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 death of these trees, not by removal but by their own death, and how the replacement trees would serve uh, the needs of the canopy or the needs of the city. I wonder. In short, is it better to deal with this problem now, or is it better to deal with the problem in a number of years from now? Thank you, Commissioner. Public Works feels strongly that now is the time to address this. Um, we put a lot of resources and review into it. Um, we've inspected, we've evaluated, we had our own Public Works hearing. Um, that said, you know, so Public Works believes that we'd be better served uh, allowing the trees to be removed and replaced by this property owner. Uh, getting a better species, and now we have a structural tree pruning program. We can get them pruned so that we don't have the, the future liability. Um, but we, we recognize there's considerable concern uh, from the community. Yeah. Thank you. Vice President Lopez has a question. Uh, a couple things. Can you just say a word about the, the cage points as well obviously those are moot if if they come down but if if the trees remain would you have a recommendation on that front uh thank you commissioner the yeah the cages we call them grates whether basin coverings or vertical tree protection um just in general we uh that's the the vertical grates around the trunks are not a concern of mine i'm i am something I didn't get to in my presentation was that there is a lack of trunk taper and trunk flare um, at the base of these trees. So again, just another factor from public works perspective was, you know, they're, they're being girdled. Um, they don't have good taper. Um, they are tucked in together among other ficus, other trees in that block and, and down below the hill. So I'm not concerned about a, a root failure, but, um, the vertical grates can be removed without adding any um, injuries to what's already occurred. So I think the vertical grates can be removed. The grate coverings on the sidewalk can be removed. Um, so that, that's really not an issue for us, a factor. Got it, thanks. And then I just, I wanna clarify for myself, I wanna make sure I understand your position and your guidance here so uh and this is a little bit complicated because it sounds like the determination holder kind of narrowed their focus in in the presentation uh at least in the initial presentation this evening but uh, it sounds like but for the development project uh you've said that these are not an imminent threat of danger uh, to the public, you said that you know they would essentially be on the watch list for for you know for future risk. Um, but you've also said that there's a strong recommendation, uh, nonetheless, that they be removed. Um, and I guess I'm trying to to boil that takeaway to its essence. Um, and so I guess my question is, you know, but for 
but for the development project, if you know a citizen walking down the street flags to about, hey guys, these don't look so great. Like, where where would these fall on your list of priorities for removal? You know, absent the the development project altogether. Uh, thank you. So the it's the size of the trees that reduce their their um, public safety concern for public works. What I'm vehement about is that they have poor structure. I just want that to be on the record, not for any, um, never for I told you so, more to defend the integrity of public works in our bureau and the fact that, you know, there's just things I'm involved with. Like I've been a proctor for the ISA exam. You know, I take my credentials really seriously. And, you know, as a public servant, I don't, I don't come up here to thump my chest. Um, but when a colleague who can be hired as consultant and isn't held the way that public works is to consistency, now he may disagree vehemently about that, but my client is public works and my client, you know, leads with public safety and of course protect and enhance mature trees. But I've seen similar trees, same consultants, 180 degree difference and that's just plain fact. So that's what I want on the record, is that we're not here doing that, not doing that. That said, the trees are relatively small for ficus trees. These are not towering giants. In absence of a compelling physical need to can't do work at that building, I'm not, I, this isn't where I saw the hearing going, but I think the smaller size of the trees means yes, despite that poor structure, not an imminent threat, we can live with these trees for a while, you know? Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you, we have a question from Commissioner Epler, then President Swig. Yes, thank you. Um, we, we could live with these trees for a while, but you, you have had the you know, misfortune perhaps of identifying their, their poor structure. Um, and you now have them on, on a list and you expect them to last for another five or 10 years, right? Correct. And, and during that time period, with what sort of frequency do you have to go out and check on the structure of these trees? I'm comfortable sticking with the established maintenance cycles of three to five years that we have for Street Tree SF. I don't believe we need to put these on an annual watch list. And five to 10 is conservative. You know, um, all things go well, we could be looking at potentially 20 years. So I don't, I don't want to put the five year, I think that I want to free that up a little bit. Okay, and that that's good. And and but I still I still want to ask my my follow up, which is, you know, the, these averages and these expert expectations are great, um, but you know, an average doesn't do me a lot of good if the tree spontaneously fails and falls at my car. What's the likelihood of a of a unexpected or spontaneous failure in your estimation? You know, either between the times that you check or within that time period. Uh, when, you know, the tree is just standing there weathering the elements? So for these three specific subject trees, um, th these are really long-term concerns. Um, this is not, we can rule out imminent, there's no imminent danger here. This is not a 15-day hazard notice. This is someone approaches us and says, you know, we'd like to remove these trees. And we go out, we look at them, we look at the structure, we look at the species. Do they exhibit the structural concerns? You know, yes, yes, yes. Okay, someone's applying to remove these. Um, they're also saying there's a compelling need to, to do other work at the site. 
I wouldn't want to be before you um, saying, you know, why, why are you saying these trees can stay? You know, you, you've had a different narrative so many years. So um, we are comfortable with, with retaining the trees if that's the um, direction that the commission goes. Thank you. How many ficus trees are there on the streets of San Francisco today? We still have thousands. Thousands. What percentage of these ficus trees have um, uh, structure problems? Uh, at least, at least half, more than half, probably a, a great, the vast majority of them have poor structure. Right. Yep. So, so, so if we were, what, what strikes me here is that 50% of the thousands of trees, which are ficus, have poor structure. And if, if you were testifying on behalf of those thousands, 50% of the thousands of trees that have poor structure, you, you would say they have poor structure and you know, they, they present a liability and they'd have to come down and we lose half the trees in San Francisco. Is that correct? correct. I'm not picking on you. I'm no, just no, no, yeah. Doing the math. A absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then somebody, I bet you, if you made that testimony, some, some, there would be some people who might disagree with your position of tearing out 50% of the ficus trees in San Francisco because they have poor, poor structure. So, you know, I, I, I know that, you know that, but how should we evaluate this situation because if we evaluate this situation in that, well, they have poor structure, they're going to fall down one of these days, we better tear them out now, all right, then they go. If we evaluate it based on, well, they have poor structure, like 50% of the ficus trees in San Francisco do, but Mr. Buck says tonight that they'll probably be good for at least five, potentially 10 or more years, then, then probably it's a... I, I'd kind of roll with keeping them in place, uh, especially since uh, the, you know the it was all about construction in the first place, and we don't want to tear out trees for construction, correct? So you know this is where I. What what am I missing here, Chris? Sure, uh, thank you, Commissioner. Again, we uh, were we didn't seek this um, this conflict. This this conflict came to us in the form of an application and an owner who, um, as many people in the public, they've heard about ficus trees. And so they've got something going on at that site, and they look at what they have, and they say, look at this, we have ficus trees. Oh, let's look at the photos. Let's look at what we have. Let's step outside. So again, this isn't something that we looked for. It came to us. Um, we've never stated that these are eminent hazards, that, these, that there's an imminent public safety concern we are stating that they have poor structure, defending why we approved it. I, before reading the brief from Telegraph Hill Dwellers, had no idea why they were involved. I, I was like three little ficus trees jammed together. I don't Google projects. I, didn't, I wasn't tempted to look at height issues or whatever it was. But when I read their brief, I really was touched with that sense of this is a historic district. You know, this is. So from that perspective, um, I'm comfortable. Um, I'm uncomfortable that uh, the narrative from the applicant is lacking. Very uncomfortable. Um, 
but I still feel uh, very good about where we stand with these trees and our assessments, and it's consi and consistent with how we've handled similar cases. Um, so it, it's a rabbit hole on a, on a single species, but I think it's a productive conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We're now moving on to public comment for this item. Is there anyone here in the room who would like to provide public comment? If so, please approach the microphone if you can come up. If there are more people, you can line up as well, just to keep it flowing. Thank you. Welcome. You have two minutes. Just two? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. My name is Judy Irving. I'm an independent filmmaker representing Pelican Media, a nonprofit in North Beach. And I would like to support the continued existence of these three trees, but it's not just about the three trees. This is a matter of principle. Why do we choose to destroy street trees in the first place? And what do we really mean by replacement? This has been a problem for a really long time. I'm sure you're aware of it because these appeals have come to you before. Why should these three trees be replaced? Because the, it's convenient for the contractor. This is the reason that these three trees have been singled out for destruction, because it's convenient for the contractor. It's very easy for Buff to say, oh yes, they have poor, poor, poor structure, et cetera, et cetera. They have been pruned and they are very healthy now. Hundreds of trees got destroyed in the last few storms and rain. These trees stood tall and so did all the other ficus trees on that block. These trees should receive medals for getting through these storms. 30 seconds. They will last forever. The second thing is, what is replacement? The word is wrong. It's like replacing a telephone pole with a matchstick. When you take out a healthy, mature tree like these are, and you replace it with something that's in a box. This is no way to grow the urban canopy, no way to deal with climate resilience, and I urge you to let these Thank trees you. stay. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Carnes, please approach. Thank you. You have two minutes. Congratulations, President Swig. Good to see you again, and all the new commissioner. Um, <clears throat> My name is Lance Carnes. I'm a resident of uh, District 3, which is, is where Telegraph Hill is. But I'm not on the uh, board of Telegraph Hill Dwellers. Um, I wanted to give you some hard numbers. You, you've been sort of toying around with how many ficus trees there are. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, sure. There's, um, <clears throat> so in 2017, the city did a, a survey of all the street trees in the city. There were 7,500 plus a few ficus trees. Uh, currently, I think there are still 77,000 something ficus trees. We haven't taken that many out. So just so you have a hard number to work with. Also, um, according to the Public Works database, tree database, on uh, <coughs> Green Street between 68 and 71, 
there are 19 ficus trees. I'm surprised that only three of those trees were looked at by Public Works. Um, also, you've probably shopped downtown in Union Square. Maiden Lane has 18 ficus trees in a similar height and age as the ones on Green Street. I wonder, has Public Works looked at those? That's a much higher uh, risk district. So, um, so 7,500 ficus trees in 2017. Now there's 77,000 something. So um, there you go. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else present in the room who would like to provide public comment? Okay, is there anyone on Zoom? I see Mr. John Nolte. Please go ahead. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, great. Um, I, uh, I have a petition online with almost 10,000 signatures to save ficus trees, and this has been ongoing since the main library uh, uh, when, when that started five years ago. So uh, I, I've watched how Public Works has uh, uh, used the proposition to remove trees as, an, as a reason to, reason to remove trees just because they're, you know, like, for example, ficus. And in an order of FICUS, FICUS is not the highest uh, uh, on the list that we're reporting on that list of, uh, by uh, 2017, um, there are like five other uh, species that have a higher risk than FICUS does for that report. So I, I think we should be looking at the whole forest of uh, uh, street trees in San Francisco and not uh, focusing on one order for one specific species. Uh, to be eliminating those trees. So uh, I felt this, uh, this again, only came because of a construction issue and because the contractor wanted light in the, in, into the ground floor of that building. So that's why this is in front of you. So, so by pruning it, they successfully brought more light into the ground floor retail of, the, of, that, of that office building. So there's no reason for any more uh, issues to be dealt with with these trees. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Mr. Clip, please go ahead. You have two minutes. You need to unmute yourself. Josh Clip, there you go. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, this is a case full of discrepancies. We've got an application based on construction and approval based on health. At the hearing, the applicant claimed existing sidewalk damage. Now they're saying it may happen in the future, and they point to the grates for that, and these grates could have been removed by the applicant or the city at any time. And tonight, the uh, applicant throws in clearance for parking meters as if while we're in a climate crisis, we should be prioritizing parking meters over trees. Also, it's unclear how these trees are going to be replaced in locations where the existing trees are allegedly too close to parking meters. Citywide tree, tree census recommended maintenance of these trees, not removal, maintenance. And that's what the city did in 2018. And sometimes we hear, well, you know, the census was done prior to the drought, and now we're dealing with trees that are failing because of the drought. We saw what happens, though, to trees impacted by the drought. About 300 of them just fell down, but not these three trees. Not a single tree on that block failed. And these were all planted at the same time. They're all the same age. They're all the same species. Additionally, as we've heard, the trees were pruned, and an independent arborist who was not paid for his time said, they look fine, just take off the grates, open up the basins, and maintain them. 
The city could have come back out and looked again after the storms and after the pruning in anticipation of this appeal, uh, and it didn't do so. And so it would seem that their assessment is effectively out of date. Now, I don't need to remind you that San Francisco has the smallest urban canopy of any major city in the United States. We're failing our urban forest plan. We're failing our climate action plan with regard to tree canopy. We are thousands of trees behind in our tree planting needs, and we have almost no budget for replacement. And it almost seems as if basically to get someone else to pay for what the city doesn't have budget for, not that removal actually needs to happen at this time. These trees survived that storm without losing a single limb, and I would respectfully request uh, that this appeal be upheld and the res these resilient trees be allowed to stay in place. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now hear from Michael Nolte. Please go ahead. Um, I respectfully uh, request the uh, commission to uh, uphold the appeal on the grounds that have been mentioned by the public comment. Everybody that's spoken under public comment um, are here for the trees um, and not for the developer. The developer has already done uh, what he uh, was willing to do, which was to do the pruning. Uh, and so um, the trees are now in, in excellent health to stay for a while um, with no um, damage to the community as being the only reason why the trees should go. So, um, um, I, I disagree with uh, uh, anything more happening to the trees at this time. Um, uh, waiting for uh, DPW to uh, do a new tree uh, um, review of all the trees in San Francisco like they're supposed to do, and that's their job. And they and that's the, that's really the crux of all this is that uh, DPW gets more money for uh, removing trees. Um, they have a budget for that. They don't have a budget for planting trees. And so that's why they're expecting the developer to plant the trees because um, DPW doesn't have really funds to uh, plant trees in San Francisco. So they want somebody else to flip the bill. So that's really the issue here that's going on. Thank you. Thank you. I see Roy Leggett's hand raised, but since you are an agent for the appellant, you can't speak during public comment. If they want you to speak, it will be during rebuttal time. Is there any further public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any, so we'll move on to rebuttal and we'll hear from the appellants. You have three minutes, thank you. Thank you very much, thank you very much. And I'd very much like to uh, allow some of my time for Mr. Leggett. Okay, you have to, yeah, you have th want, three minutes, so. Okay, I wanna clear up something. He was not paid, in fact, he declined to accept payment for any of this. Uh, perhaps he'll say that himself. Uh, if I can have one, if I can have uh, one minute at the end, I'll finish up then. So what if? if so do can, you want to give him two minutes and then you'll have one minute? Yes. Please. Okay, Mr. Leggett. Hi, uh, this is Roy Leggett. Um, thank you for giving me a little time. Um, as far as these trees, uh, Mr. Buck clarified with his graphic image. It was an illustration, a black line image that there are two aspects to um, structural problems with ficus that are related to the branch structure attaching to the main stem. One of them is codominance, which it means the stems are similar in size to each other, not identical, but similar. And the other is a bark inclusion. In my experience, bark inclusions are the fatal flaw, and they are not a major factor with these particular ficus. So I think that structurally these trees are different than Mr. Buck characterizes them as being. 
Um, and this is not uh, at all uh, 180 from my perspective on other ficus trees, on other cases that he alluded to. Um, if, if we want to get into the technicalities of what's, what's right or wrong with these trees, then you know, we have small stature trees without any significant bark inclusions. And uh, basically, they're, yeah, I agree with Mr. Buck that they're not hazardous trees. They are not going to fall apart. Um, these, these trees went through an amazing, uh, heavy, heavy storm. And, uh, you know, almost a month of heavy storms. And they're just fine. Uh, routine maintenance and getting rid of the uh, tree grates and the vertical cages around these trees is all that they is all that they really need at this point. There can be additional pruning done, but I think on the city's standard schedule is fine. Um, okay, we're at the one minute mark. You have okay. one minute left. I'm going to give my, the rest of my time over. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. So to to us, so the removal of these three trees at uh, 69 Green seems more a matter of uh, construction access convenience than necessity. It's more f started, at least, as a private remodeling more than the public interest. And of course, we, like all of you, support public safety strongly. But these trees don't seem unsafe. Not now, maybe sometime in the future, five or 10 years from now. Uh, but who knows? Uh, whatever risk there was there originally, they've now been pruned. 30 seconds. And those pruning, that pruning has reduced the risk uh, to the point where the, the trees are not a, an imminent threat. Uh, these are three trees that interfered with construction access. That's what started this. The construction access convenience should not override the greater public interest. We think that especially a public interest that so highly prizes the protection, maintenance, and, and, and growth of San Francisco's street trees and urban tree canopy. Thank you. That's Keep any, I, I her, please don't, please grant our appeal. Thank you. Thank you. I don't see any questions, so we will now hear from the determination holder, Mr. Brizzoni. You have three minutes. Thank you. <clears throat> to clarify, the reason proposed for both removal and printing was to provide clearance from the building and vehicles for construction access, as well as to, to uphold public safety due to the concerns already presented at length. Due to the poor health of the trees, removal was preferred to pruning in the first place because it would be a one-step process versus two. One bill for us from the arborist versus two. If the city didn't have specific criteria for removal in place for these specific types of trees, which they do, a specific code as I previously mentioned, we probably wouldn't have proceeded down the path of adhering to that code in the first place. That's all I have to say, thank you. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the department. Mr. Buck, you have three minutes. Good evening, commissioners. Um, just a couple of brief uh, follow-ups. I just wanted to confirm that I was there on Saturday, January 14th, uh, looking at other issues um, and did take photos, they're timestamped. So I was in fact there on January 14th, just a few days ago, um, after, yeah, three weeks of storms. And then I appreciate Mr. Leggett um, hopping on the call to uh, clarify. 
his observations. I, I believe there are some bar conclusions. Uh, there are, not every union there has inclusion. Um, again, we're looking at long-term structural issues, definitely have concerns. Um, bar conclusions, immediate public safety concern. I think, you know, we're agreeing to disagree on a couple of things, but I do appreciate um, his clarification. I don't disagree with some of that, but again, <clears throat> I'm, I'm concerned that the public continues to believe that, that the trees are fine. That said, we're a great city that really embraces public, robust um, community feedback. I've heard nothing from the applicant about any physical need to access this building. Um, that's a misunderstanding that we can work on because that's what I heard at a hearing. Uh, that said, I just wanted to, again, thank everyone and especially the public who took their time to come out and speak up for these trees. Um, it's been an interesting journey and I, I definitely listened closely to all the feedback. Thank you. We have a question from President Swig. Thank you. Uh, first of all, Mr. Buck, I neglected to thank you and the, and the Bureau of Urban Forestry and the, the and DPW for a real hard work over the last few weeks as <clears throat> Mother Nature um, did its damage on our trees and you all responded um, aggressively 24-7. Um, so thank you for, for that. Um, if we were to allow these trees to, uh, to, uh, to stay, um, would it be your advice that the tree, that the grates at the base of the tree be removed and that the vertical grates stay or that they, or one or the other? I, I, I sense that the, <clears throat> um, uh, the, the, the grates at the base of the tree may be inhibiting uh, the, the growth of the, the tree itself and, but I, uh, but it, it would seem to me that the vertical grates would actually be uh, helping the tree by um, protecting it from those things called automobiles. Yeah. Uh, so what, what is your advice on that if, if we were to uh, sustain the, uh, the appeal? Uh, thank you, Commissioner. We recommend removing both the vertical grates, tree protective grates, and the grates covering the basins. Um, the, these vertical grates really only need to be there for the first five years to protect against vehicles. And, and planning loves grates. We dislike them um, because they end up damaged. They stay in place too long and do more damage than the protection they're providing. So the recommendation could be for either public works or the um, applicant, um, you know, to sort of show that good faith and agreeing to remove them. We can meet them on site and determine who's best suited to do that. If they wanted to volunteer to do that, great. Um, In the spirit that we all have, um, that we all understand now, because it's been publicized in this hearing today, uh, that by keeping the trees around, we are assuming a liability because we know at some point that there's a, a high risk of them um, doing damage. As there are for 3,500 ficus trees around the city, so it's not like an exception. Um, but with that liability surfaced and assumed, um, can, uh, can we ask uh, DPW to place these trees on a, um, a more aggressive inspection of every six months or certainly within a every 
12-month period, so there is an inspection because we now know, and you've commented and confirmed that uh, they are at risk trees, although not tomorrow. Sure. Is that, can we do that? As yeah. We can, um, we can put in, a, I would recommend an annual inspection. Um, that probably is just to be extra careful and cross our T's as a city family. Um, I don't believe they'll, they'll quite need that, but let's err on the side of safety. We can put in, front load a bunch of inspection requests that sit in the record and show up in our, our team's tablets uh, every year. It's pretty amazing, but. Um, okay, great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners, this matter submitted. Mr. Lopez, would you like to start tonight? Uh, sure. I, I think I've been uh, convinced based on what's, what's been pre presented that the, that the appeal is appropriate uh, based on, um, just based on the, the lack of imminent threat associated with the trees uh, and, and I haven't heard a countervailing interest uh, that's as strong as, as that lack of, of imminent threat. Uh, and so I would, I would be in support of the appeal. Mr. Trevino? I appreciate all, all the testimony, particularly from members of the public. Uh, I'm not sure, I, I think it's a closer call than has been, I think, described by Vice President Lopez and, and, and I think by you, Pres President Swig. Uh, we talk about liability, but it's really danger. These trees, trees can fall, trees do fall. And uh, yes, there's the issue of liability afterwards. Uh, I think I've told my colleagues in my first my first trial as a deputy city attorney was there was any tree that fell in Golden Gate Park. Well, it fell on an elderly person driving through. Trees can fall on babies. Trees can fall on, 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 on pedestrians. So um, there is a prudent case to be made for dealing with these trees now. Uh, I, 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 I trust the city's evaluation of the trees, that there is, a, a, we, we've heard a lot of people talking about, about the health of the trees now, post prune or pruning versus pre-pruning. Um, and I'm not convinced that the trees are all that, are, are that strong. I have to, to, to refer to the city's uh, expert here. That, that's why they are here. Uh, and uh, I, 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 so I think there is a risk in, in the case of the trees, whether it's the, these three ficus or other, other ficus trees, well, they fall. Here we have a replacement. So when we talk about, we, we, we focus on removing trees, the reality is this is removal and replacement. And, and over a period of time, if we're talking about the, the nature of, of, of our planet and the climate, well, today we can say, oh, well, we're going we're gonna to save money by kicking, kicking this down 5 or 10 or 15 years. But in 5 or 10 or 15 years or even longer, uh, we want to we want, we be able to look at, at the state of the, of, of, of the trees then, not just now. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, comforted by the fact that these, these three trees may last 15 years. It's like saying, well, our retirement system might last 15 years. Uh, 15 years is in, in, in one context is fine, in others, in others it is not. Um, so I am, I am, uh, I am, I believe it is a close call. I appreciate the, 
the, the, the time that the, the, the neighbor association has taken, uh, the, the, the care they've given to this, and I think that's, that's to be commendable. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried when, when the, the property owner is just demonized as, as a developer or, or, or in, the, in the previous meeting we had, uh, when we talk about at, U, at UCSF, we're talking about building there, removing trees, but for a very a major internationally recognized hospital that will save lives. So there are, there are a lot of considerations that are here. Uh, I believe that, that uh, each case is, is different. We're gonna have another uh, major tree case coming up next. Uh, so, but I, I just think this is a, is a closer call and I'm, uh, I will be, uh, I look forward to being educated by my colleagues as we, uh, as we prepare to uh, give our views and, and take a vote. Uh, Commissioner Lemberg. Thank you to everybody who spoke in this. Um, I, my, my views align more with Vice President Lopez's. I think the, I think what it boils down to since we're reviewing this de novo is whether it is appropriate for these three trees to be removed and I am not convinced that these three trees need to be removed and that's kind of what it boils down to for me. Um, I have been quiet so far this evening but I, uh, that's because my fellow commissioners were asking excellent questions and I didn't have anything uh, that wasn't asked, uh, but I do think that uh, removing these trees opportunistically is not necessarily the best thing for the neighborhood, the property, or the the public at large. So that's what I have to say. Thank you. Commissioner Epler. Thank you. Um, I, I tend to fall closer to the, the lines of Commissioner Trisvenian saying that it's a, it's a little bit of a closer call than, than perhaps uh, it, it may otherwise seem. Um, that there are approximately 3,000 uh, compromised ficus trees in the city is, is not, not comfort per se. It's, the issue is how do I identify and remediate those and how do we do it over time? And um, in this circumstance, we have three trees with poor structure that we could remediate right now. Um, however, that being said, um, we have to balance risk and we have to balance costs and we have to allocate resources um, because we don't have the ability to go out there and do these all, all at once. And in the absence of a timely need to replace these trees and that combined with the absence of another overriding purpose, in this case it would be private, in some cases it might be public, but in the absence of another overriding purpose, um, it seems that these trees um, should perhaps be kicked down the road in terms of their replacement uh, while they remain in their more viable state. Now if that private purpose were still here, I would feel a little bit differently. If there were a public purpose here, I would feel a little bit differently. Um, but that's not here in this circumstance. And so I'm more inclined to, to accept the minimal risk and to monitor and to deal with this problem at a more, when, when the trees become more of an issue. Uh, Commissioner Lopez, you want to chat before I do? Go ahead. I'll go after you. Okay, thanks. Um, I, I agree that there is, this is not simple. Uh, you know, if I'm running a, my own private business, and I see a liability that's a slip and fall down a hallway, um, because I know about it, 
that becomes my liability. If there's a slip and fall, then guess what? I'm toast um, in my business. Um, so I'm very sensitive to, at, at the same time, uh, and, uh, but at the same time, I would be, be looking at that potential slip and fall and, and see how it could be mitigated, uh, see how repair could uh, continue the, uh, the activities around it uh, until it became, uh, to, to, to limit that, that risk. So that's how I would handle it in my business. Um, and in, in this case, I, I'm listening to Commissioner Epler and, and leaning in his direction in that, I think, uh, in, in that uh, there's been some mitigation. They are younger trees. They don't, they're not disasters. Uh, we've heard testimony, uh, and that's why I pressed Mr. Buck about you know, what is a long time and, and to get him sp more specific. And I believe that he said, well, in, in 10 years, I, I think we should, we're good for 10 years. Um, and in 10 years, I'll be 81 years old. And, you know, I hope I make it that long to find out. Uh, but uh, so I, I, I feel a little bit more relieved of uh, liability, especially since I know and confirmed with him that there has been mitigation done uh, through the, the pruning of the trees and therefore the trees lo load is, is lightened and that again lightens again the risk. Um, so I, 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 so I think I'm leaning towards um, sustaining the appeal uh, and I and doing that I would like to see that the, the grates be removed so the trees can flourish better at the recommendation of Buff, and that also with Buff's permission that we uh, require that Buff look at these, that the a series of orders are placed in their computers that, that uh, will certify and guarantee that this tr these trees are looked at on a 12-month basis, which is better than most trees in San Francisco, and therefore paying attention to that risk and doing something about it, then I'm comfortable. So, Mr. Lopez. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to, to clarify my comments. Um, you know, I didn't mean to imply that this is a simple case, you know, necessarily. Um, and I think, you know, my thinking is really in line with Commissioner Epler's comments and certainly remain open to uh, hearing a countervailing private interest or a public interest that would uh, support removal as, as we've done and in previous cases, even the last meeting, um, which which I voted in support of removal in that instance, but I just didn't hear a compelling private interest here. Um, and when asking Buff, hey, but for this project, would this be on the hit list? I heard no. Um, I also heard that there's thousands of of ficus trees, or ficae, if, if I may, uh, that, that have similar structural damage, uh, and yet we're not chopping thousands of ficae down. Um, and so it, it otherwise feels like a little bit of policy making to me, absent that countervailing interest, ab absent a buff 
uh, sweeping policy to to take down, you know, these trees with problematic problematic structure, you know, as soon as we become aware of them, and so that's that's kind of how I see it. Would somebody like to make a motion or have further uh, comment? I, I, I would just like to add that uh, this has been a very good discussion from the public and from, and, and from my colleagues, uh, but I, what I, 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 I'm missing a couple of things. One is that when we talk about uh, liability, we're really talking about danger to someone first. And that's something that, that well, yeah, it can, go into, it can go into the city attorney's budget or the department's budget to pay a claim. It's really, we are, we are this, the, the um, value of the, and the public interest in removing these trees now identified. I, I agree the identification of how they got to have, how this case got to the department and to us is, is not ideal. Uh, and, and we can speculate as to, as to the reasons why, but we found they found a tree that 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 is uh, structurally not sound, pruning or not. So I don't hear that much about the the, the, the risk factor. And second, I don't hear about uh, replacement. And perhaps the whole replacement idea is a fiction that people don't have any faith in. Uh, but I but I see it as remove today, replace today, or shortly thereafter, and that the trees are going to, over a period of time, are going to, are going to actually replace. Now, maybe I need more schooling on that in the future, uh, but I don't think we should minimize that this is not reducing by three trees. This is reducing by three trees and adding three trees that will last longer and be safer uh, for, for, for the public. Motion. I'll make a motion. Uh, I'll move that we grant the appeal uh, on uh, dual conditions that the vertical and ground level grates be removed, and also on the condition that we have annual inspections for the three trees. Uh, and the motion is made on the basis that the department erred in failing to uh, take into account alternatives to removal. Okay, you'd also have to add the condition of allowing the trees to remain because the order states that trees will be removed. So you just want to say the order needs to be revised to allow the trees to remain and Absolutely. those additional two that, conditions. That works. Thank you. Okay, so we have a motion from Vice President Lopez to grant the appeal and issue the order on the condition that it be revised to, one, allow the trees uh, to remain and not be removed, uh, two, to require Buff to inspect the trees annually, and three, uh, that the vertical grates and grates covering the basins are removed. And who's bearing responsibility? Would Buff pay for that? I mean, normally they do maintain the street trees, except for, I believe, in the case where a private individual requests removal, but this person is not getting their trees removed, so should the cost go to Buff? The inspection? No, the, the removal the of the grates, the vertical and... Oh. Who owns them? Pardon? Who owns the grates? Typically, the city is responsible for maintaining street trees, except for in cases where a private individual requests removal. And this individual is not getting what he wants. It seems like Buff should bear the cost of the grate removal. So I just yeah. wanted to clarify. I, I would say that Buff bears a responsibility, but with the... 
with the condition that they confer with the the determination holder uh, to see if they prefer a different um, a different approach. Okay, what do you what do you mean different approach? Because you the board is making an order now. You're leaving the door open for them to change the situation. Well, I'm leaving it open to you know the 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 removal practice, not not the the fact that, that the removal needs to take place. Okay, so you just want them to confer with the determination holder on the removal itself. On on the process. On the not, process for removal of the yes. grate. So, okay. Yeah. Can I ask the city attorney: Is are we out of bounds? Uh, are we out of bounds mandating a shared cost of removal? Uh, from what I understand from from the motion right now, the city will be responsible for the cost of removal, uh, but the but Buff will confer with the with the property owner about the removal process, and that is. That's not a problem. And, okay, and just for clarity, just just, just uh, as a point of our education, if if Mr. Lopez would would it were to have said removal of the grades at shared cost between Buff and the property owner, or would 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 he be out of bounds? That would be inconsistent with the the laws regarding the city's uh, obligations. I, I think that answers the question. To oh. to further clarify. Uh, if, if a, upon conferring with the determination holder, uh, the ter determination holder uh, uh, chooses to, to a different process than, than the one that Buff proposes, then at that point, uh, could we then say that they would, if they want to do it a different way or have a different grate or something that, that, that they... The determination holder has the option the of paying for it right. himself if he right. wants to. If they disagree with Buff's proposal. At, at bus cost. Okay, thank you. I'm not gonna repeat that motion, I think we all got it, but it will look good <laughs> when I do the minutes, okay? So, on that motion, Commissioner Trezvina. Uh No. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. Okay, so that motion carries four to one, and the appeal is granted with conditions. Yeah. And, and might I suggest uh, Commissioner Trezvina brings up, we, we stumble upon the issue of replacement regularly, both the public and ourselves. Tonight, we stumbled upon it. Last week, it was the public that stumbled upon it. So we stumble. Uh, I, I, I would like, and the, the issue seems to be, uh, you have these mature trees that are 20 feet tall, 30 feet tall, um, and there will be you know, three down, three replaced. Uh, yet again, it's like the, the phrase long time. You know, what is this, what is this replacement tree? And I, I think at some point, Mr. Buck, if we could have a little conversation about what is a replacement tree, because when tonight it was discussed that it was a, a pine, did you say? Fern pine. All right. So in my mind's eye, about a about a four foot tall pine tree on a, in a 25 inch box was my view that would sit in the middle of a street lined by 30 foot ficus trees. You know, the, lots a long time to catch up. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the 25 inch box was eight feet tall. I don't know. 
And so I, I think, and you don't know either. And so I, I think you might want to at some point schedule for ourselves a little conversation on the subject of the term, the, the, the determinant of determination, determination of street trees, exactly what's being replaced. So we, we all know, not only in our mind's eye, but in picture perfect clarity, please. Is that okay by you, Mr. Trisvenier? That's very helpful. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Are we ready to move on to item eight? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, we are now on item number eight, appeal number 22-084, Irma Lewis versus San Francisco Public Works, Bureau of Urban Forestry, subject property, 700 Minnesota Street, four frontages at Indiana Street, Minnesota Street, 19th Street, and 20th Street. Appealing the issuance on November 4th, 2022, to San Francisco Rec and Park Department of a Public Works Order. Removal of 38 street trees with replacement of 35 street trees along four frontages at Indiana, Minnesota, 19th and 20th Streets. The removals are part of a renovation of a spree park. The project remediates poor soil, overhauls the irrigation system, and makes pathways compliant with ADA accessibility requirements. The trees are approved for removal because of construction impacts, poor condition, disease, or low suitability for preservation. The larger stature London plane trees are in decline, and the younger, smaller trees could be replaced in kind. This is order number 207274, and we have uh, a disclosure and recusal from Commissioner Epler. Yes, thank you, uh, Executive Director. Um, so as, as you know, we have uh, two, two real rationales for recusal. One would be a financial conflict of interest. That certainly does not exist in this case. The other is a due process conflict. Um, and I have to disclose that I uh, know the appellant. I've worked with the appellant on uh, several different issues in the greater Patero dog patch community as in my role as president of the Patero Boosters Neighborhood Association. That has included being a member of the dog patch community task force that advocated for the funding for the project that is currently before us. Uh, that has included working with the department in order to ensure that there is public outreach around the project. That's included being as a member of the Eastern Neighborhoods Community Advisory Committee that allocated additional funding to this project and reconfirmed that additional funding to the project. And so while the issue of tree renewal, which you are looking at de novo, is also de novo for me, the city attorney has advised me that there could be the perception that I have a procedural conflict in this circumstance. And as a result, it would be prudent for me to recuse myself in this case. And so I leave it in your competent hands. Thank you. Thank you. So we will resume when you leave, but we also have a disclosure from Vice President Lopez for the record. Right, thank you. I, I need to disclose that um, uh, uh, you know, potential uh, conflict, again, not a, not a financial conflict, but uh, UCSF is involved in the underlying uh, renovation project. Uh, my wife works for UCSF. Uh, she's not involved in the underlying project. She's a pediatrician, not a planner. Or really, her work does not touch upon uh, neighborhood development. Uh, with, with that said, uh, I've conferred with the city attorney's office uh, have, who has determined that uh, there isn't an actual uh, conflict on the matter. So I will not recuse myself, but I did want to disclose uh, those facts. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from Irma Lewis, the appellant for this case. Ms. Lewis, you have seven minutes. And Julie, will you, um, will someone start the slides? Yes. 
Um, one moment. Well, we won't start the time. Alec, can you cue the slides up, please? And how does this work? Do I leave my monitor off, my video off, Julie? Uh, you can leave your monitor on if you want us to see you. Okay. And then Why not? Well, I, I have the shared screen, so you'll only see your slides. Okay. We can see you on the side, yes. So. Okay. Thank you. Please Thank go you. ahead. Good evening, Commissioners and President Swig. My name is Irma Lewis, and I'm here representing Friends of Esprit Park. And its underlying decision, Public Works approved Rec Park's request to remove 38 street trees, re replacement of 35. Public Works based this decision on a few considerations, two of which we'll address tonight. One, that these trees are in poor health. Two, that there was robust community engagement. I'm going to cover the community engagement aspect of the Public Works decision and an independent and highly qualified Arbor's consultant who you've already interacted with tonight, Roy Leggett, will address the health of the trees. Slide two. What I'm asking for, what we're asking for, is if at the end of the day the trees must be removed, that there be a binding agreement that requires replacement of 38 trees that are 48 um, 48 inch box trees. In other words, adequate mitigation for the community and environmental impact of this massive tree removal. Slide three. Speaking of mitigation, I thought I'd give you all some background. This shows exactly why the Esprit Project Project Esprit Park project exists. It's actually a mitigation to the UCF by UCSF to the dog patch community for the two major projects you see listed, student and graduate, graduate student housing, and um, a really impressive psychiatry center for families and youth. UCSF committed $10 million to fund projects in Dogpatch to mitigate the impact of this development. UCSF also because of their status as a state institution, avoided $80 million in taxes and fees. Next slide. Here's a snapshot of the projects, and I don't, I'm not going to go into all the detail. What I just want to draw your attention to is that of the 10 million, the Esprit Park project, according to the UCSF scorecard, is late by at least two and a half, three years, um, and it's red. That's 5 million of the 10 million. Then we have another four, a little over 4 million in a community center. That project is in project recovery. Um, so the, the, the goal or the picture here is that UCSF, all of their projects that started before our, or right around the same time that our projects were supposed to start because the money was granted in 2017, their projects are done, they're in place, and the community is still waiting for its mitigation. Next slide, please. This slide goes to the best practice that I referenced in my brief regarding the need for community engagement. Next slide. Again, if we can focus on the right-hand side of this um, slide, it's really, um, and it goes to a comment that um, one of the commissioners raised earlier. UCSF is a world-class institution. They don't only, it's not just about health delivery, 
they also take great pride in their capital projects. So how does this line up with the support we're getting, even from subject matter experts? Quarterly financial reporting for the Esprit Park project, it's working. CFO's office is going to be reviewing quarterly financial reports. Project planning and implementation, that's not working. Um, the group on point for this is community and government relations. The group lacks expertise in construction projects. UCSF has a wonderful team um, in design and construction, and no one from that group, it's huge, and they're not in the room when it comes to this project. Next slide. Rec Park submitted this graphic in its brief to your board, shoring up its argument that there has been robust community engagement. I took the liberty of going ahead and marking it up with an update. And so what you see is that, in fact, there was no community engagement for over nine months, leading until August 15th. There was a single virtual meeting. And what you're looking at is did not occur, did not occur, did not occur. So there has been no robust community engagement regarding the removal of the trees and any trade-offs that the community want, may want to make. Now I'd like to turn this over to our Arbor's consultant, Roy Leggett. Next slide for Roy. Hi, uh, this is Roy Leggett. Um, I want to let you know that, first of all, I wrote an Arborist report that was submitted, and uh, it's not a long read. Uh, there only are uh, a couple of pages. It's, it's worth, a, it's worth a, a read or, or it's worth, worth looking at, I think, because it outlines where uh, Dr. Costello's um, data has been lumped together, so poor and moderate condition trees as he characterizes them, are lumped into one pot as the poor condition trees. Well, poor and moderate condition trees are, are actually quite different. Um, one is sustainable and viable, and the other one is perhaps not. And uh, my look at the trees is, uh, when I went out and looked at these, they're a magnificent double row, an alley of trees. And they are... Uh, generally in fair to good condition, and they have a potential for many years and likely several decades of a safe, useful life left in them. Um, I think they contribute tremendously. So um, with that in mind, um, I think that the mitigation uh, to be consistent with other Department of Public Work orders, it should include uh, installation of larger trees the 24-inch box minimum size replacement tree is not a, a comparable or acceptable outcome to replace this magnificent array of trees. So having 48-inch box specimens going in. Thank you. That's time. Thank you. Thank you. We have a question from President Swig. Uh, Mr. Uh, sorry. Mr. Leggett, I'm going to start an argument, uh, not between you and I, uh, but between uh, yourself and Mr. Buck. Um, but as I've sat on this uh, panel for a long time, 
I have been informed by multiple arborists and also especially Mr. Buck that uh, putting in mature trees, and I, I've sat in, in your position and the appellant's position, and I said, well, what are we putting in 25-inch replacement trees instead of much larger trees? And 100% of the time, uh, I have had pushback, 100% of the time, I've had pushback when I've said, well, let's, let's do 42-inch box. And they said, no, 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 that's suicidal because um, large trees, although common, layman's common sense, that would be me the layman and my common sense, uh, is faulty uh, because there is greater failure with the replacement of a larger format tree. Um, so uh, what I'm challenging you on is uh, why do you think that a larger, using my layman's common sense, uh, why do you think a larger tree against everybody else's judgment up to this point uh, is, is better than a smaller format tree when it comes to survival and sustainability? Well, first of all, I don't disagree with Mr. Bach. So Good, that's there's no fight tonight. <laughs> no fight with Mr. Bach. Um, smaller trees establish quicker. They're easier to um, integrate into a new landscape for a number of reasons. But uh, in this case, we have new irrigation going in, new drainage going in. We have new dirt going in. This isn't exactly um, a raw site. So it, it's a dramatic uh, engineering feat that's going into this park. And that's, in fact, the only reason why these trees need to be removed in my assessment of the plans. Um, and uh, based on uh, uh, Ms. Lucchesi's soil assessment, they need to deal with a soil problem. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a drainage problem. There's, you know, it's all fill. So putting in small trees in a normal street tree setting is not a practical matter, or, or it is a practical matter, actually, it, for normal street tree settings. But this is a highly engineered site. It's, a, it's designed and uh, radically um, improved. Right. So, so putting in bigger trees would give us that allay back and the functionality of the trees for screening, passage through a double row of trees on a sidewalk, and parking on that 90-degree slide-in over the road and the trees would be proportional to those uses. Okay, I'm gonna ask you, thank you for segueing into my second question. This is a highly engineered site, and uh, I, I don't know if you use new design or you use the word design, that's enough for me. Um, you, you heard me in the last hearing um, uh, try to defend some uh, trees or, or find how trees can be maintained uh, in consideration of all the things we, we talked about. Um, historically, um, I, I am not a tree destroyer. Um, but this is, a, this is what is different here, and I'd like your thoughts on this. This, this is not a, uh, in, in, the, in the hotel business, 
we used to call them housekeeper rooms. So we want to go renovate a room. And so the house executive housekeeper, and I've been in the hotel business for 40 years. Uh, so the executive housekeeper comes in the room and the executive housekeeper says, well, you know, uh, we should keep that couch because it's still pretty good couch. Now we can get rid of the carpet, we can get rid of the, uh, the wall covering uh, and, and, the, and the occasional chairs, they're, they're no good either. But we'll keep that couch because it still has some life in it. And so, um, and, and then somebody makes the mistake of listening to the housekeeper um, because the housekeeper is trying to be responsible and saving a few bucks and you get a brand new room and guess what stands out like a sore thumb? The, the couch. And so it, it seems to me that the difference between a, our typical tree case here and typical is we want to take out three trees because, and there's a reason, there's always a reason, um, that th this is more of a holistic issue. And, and this is highly engineered, highly designed, and intended to be a completely new development. And although I don't like to tear, tear out trees, uh, that it, it may compromise the entire integrity of the project and, um, and ruin the project, quite frankly, for the sake of keeping uh, a couple of trees, which in a holistic view, um, are, are not needed in this dynamically engineered and designed project. Your thoughts, please? Um, Friends of Spree Park likes the trees that are there. I like the trees that are there. I don't think it's realistic to keep them. You know, I, I read through uh, Dr. Costello's reports, two of them, and I read through uh, Ms. Uh, Lucchesi's report on the soil. And I also talked to Irma about um, the muddy pathways and poor drainage issues, you know, mud boots in July kind of stuff. Um, this is stuff that needs to be fixed if you're renovating a park. You know, I'm, I'm all for uh, Rec and Park getting the infrastructure right on this thing. So, uh, but to do that, these trees literally cannot be saved. It is a construction-driven problem. So, um, because these are street trees, uh, or you know, subject to regulation by uh, public works, then I, I was looking at. So, so uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I asked you sure. uh, a, a question. I want to stay on that question. Okay. Uh, because then we have more testimony and digression. Uh, from, a, uh, from a holistic, what I'm hearing from you is that from, uh, it, are, this is a heavy, heavily designed, heavily engineered and designed project. And from a holistic standpoint, given the macro on this, it is, it is your view, it is not realistic or reasonable to save these trees because it's a whole project, not just a random, this tree's coming out for a specific reason, for a, a random reason. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you're right about Okay, that. thank you. Um, That's fine. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from the Rec and Park Department. Welcome, Ms. Sullivan, you have seven minutes. Take your time, we won't start until you're ready. 
Good, e good evening, commissioners, uh, city staff. Melinda Stockman-Sullivan, project manager with the San Francisco Recreation and Park Department. I'm the permit applicant for the Bureau of Urban Forestry Tree Removal Permit. That is the subject of this appeal. And I'm also the project manager for the Esprit Park Renovation Project. I started working on that in April of 2017. slide does not seem to be advancing. We can pause the time. Okay. That's, yeah, that's really, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, this is the concept design for the whole scale renovation of the park that was approved in February 2021 by the Recreation and Park Commission in this hearing room. And I wanted to sit on this diagram for a moment because this is a bit of a complicated situation uh, in that this is a, a buff tree removal permit. If these trees were all with fully within the Reckon Park property line, we would not be here this evening. Reckon Park does have a policy around courtesy noticing of tree removals, but we're not beholden to the same standards as street trees. This diagram shows in yellow the right of way that extends beyond the street and sidewalk. Um, this area is a remnant from legislated sidewalks that were never constructed. Uh, we have consulted with city attorney and with public works, and we have submitted an application to vacate this to Reckon Park. Uh, throughout the extensive community outreach and planning process for this project, maintenance, uh, difficulties with maintenance in the past, mud, lawns closing, et cetera, have been listed as concerns. Uh, Reckon Park has worked extensively with an interdivision team, including the folks who maintain the park every day uh, to look towards the future. And we believe that uh, vacating this portion to Reckon Park uh, will clarify and simplify maintenance down the road, um, regardless of whether that is approved or not. Uh, we are committed to working with Public Works to make sure that the trees that we do replace are maintained. Uh, this is just a quick snapshot showing the site that became Esprit Park back in 1982. It's a former industrial site. It is in the Maher zone. There's contaminated soils. And this is a snapshot of the soil pit at that time. This was provided to us by our consulting arborist, Larry Costello, who also worked on the project at that time, a separate project. Uh, this is the kind of what we've shared at several community meetings that were publicly noticed in the past. Uh, kind of the proposed where we have many stressed trees, non-native planting, bare ground, uh, and looking at really replacing and restoring the infrastructure of the park. We have a huge population growth in the Dog Patch neighborhood and a lot of computing, competing interests. And our intent has been to find something for everyone in the park and to minimize uh, user conflicts. I'm not gonna speak at length of the trees because I believe Chris Buck will, um, but I just wanted to point out, I know the sycamores, the double ally of sycamores is a point of contention in the appellant's brief. Uh, this is a picture showing the sycamore, uh, poor condition, and um, I understand that this does show or likely anthracnose or fungal condition of the trees. And we will be replacing this full ally of trees just inside the property line of Reckon Park, 
And um, good news is that there'll be 36 inch box trees. Uh, we also at Rec and Park are constantly balancing the fact that the best practice is to establish that smaller trees establish better with the public's desire to replace and maintain the canopy as much as possible. So our replacement trees in the whole park are a combination of 34 inch and 24 inch, uh, but the sycamore specifically will be 36 inch box trees. And they'll also be replanted as a cultivar that is resistant to anthracnose and powdery mildew. Um, I'm just gonna breeze through these quickly showing the level of intent of the design, uh, the plants as well as many, many shrubs. Uh, we have engaged Larry Costello from Oracle Oak uh, the Reckon Park has worked with him extensively on this project and many others. He completed a, an assessment in 2019 as well as 2021 and a pre-construction update in 2022. Uh, we made several site walks and I think it's important, especially for a project that does take this long, to look at trees more than once and probably not just the last week in December when there are not uh, many leaves on the trees, which is, can be a difficult time to get a full assessment. Community outreach, I wanna to speak to this. Uh, there has been some misinformation. Um, the appellant mentioned in her presentation um, that we have not been doing outreach. Um, the appellant is on our screen uh, capture of attending the August 16th, 2022 update. Uh, she did ask if we were retaining an arborist to look at protecting the sequoias in the park. Um, so again, I'm not doing this to be offensive, but uh, we work really hard and I just wanna correct the record on that. Uh, we also presented to the UCSF Community Advisory Group in September in lieu of December uh, because they asked us to present at that time. Uh, we coordinated with the Bureau of Urban Forestry on all of our tree removals and to simplify things for the public so that they could see the whole park. And um, we update the project page of the Reckon Park website regularly and um, responses that came back regarding the Reckon Park trees were responded to individually. Uh, this just shows really briefly the right-of-way trees to be removed. Um, part of the reason why we're here is because Reckon Park would consider many of the trees in the right-of-way to be shrubs. Many arborists would also consider them to be shrubs, um, but again, Reckon Park work with Buff to notice these as trees because Buff considers everything, anything over 10 feet high to be a tree. So to be in compliance with that, we did um, work with Buff to notice all of those. This is the trees to be retained. Again, I believe in the appellant's brief, there was something about removing all the street trees. Uh, the green shows the trees to be retained, so we are leaving some trees that are really in good condition or on the outside of the park. This tree shows the scale of the 36-inch box. This is a California buckeye and a sycamore down below. Is that 30 seconds? 30 seconds, go Okay, thank you so much. And um, I also providing the construction documents here to show uh, we have a robust tree protection plan. Uh, there was a request in the appellant's brief for maintenance. Um, we have included a 90-day plant establishment maintenance with the construction contract. Um, we are working with a well-known landscape contractor that we've worked with before. We have retained our arborist to look at quality control. And I want to mention we are starting construction, but we are not. Thank you. That's time. You'll have time in rebuttal, but we do have questions from President Swig, Commissioner Lemberg, and Vice President Lopez. Okay. Yeah, I want to deal with thank you for your presentation. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening. We haven't seen you here before. 
Have no, we? this is my first time after oh, 10 years. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I'd do most likely everybody, but no, you're a new face, so uh, welcome, and we don't bite too too hard. Um, so two, two areas uh, that I want to talk about. I want to talk about community uh, involvement, community access, feedback, et cetera. Um, the, the appellant was, uh, in my view, very strong and wrote on one of her slides that there, well, she stated that the community, the community access, community involvement was not up to uh, her expectation. And, uh, and then she showed a couple of um, meetings that did not happen or whatever. Could you, uh, could you comment on why those, the, the specifics and the incidentals on those individual meetings and what happened and were they, uh, were they replaced or otherwise? Sure. Um, so the, the appellant uh, mentioned that in August 2022 there was a meeting, but I think her claim on her slide was that it was one-sided and not a dialogue. Um, I did take notes from that meeting. It was a publicly noticed virtual community meeting update, and we had done one in November 2021 as well, and we outlined uh, proposed tree work at both of those hearings. Uh, in the appellant's brief, this is answering your second question. Mm -hmm. In the appellant's brief, uh, there is a, an email that I think I or one of my colleagues sent to the planning department staff uh, who staff the Eastern Neighborhoods Community Advisory Committee um, with some points about outreach. Uh, after that, we received feedback that that body and particular members of that body were not content with that. So we worked to create an extensive outreach plan for nine months. Uh, generally with Rec and Park projects, we have a huge push for planning uh, before the concept design is approved, and then we're really working to keep community members updated. So this really represents us going above and beyond. On that plan was the UCSF Community Advisory Group meeting presentation uh, that was scheduled for December last month. UCSF reached out to us in, I think, August to ask for a presentation in September, so we complied with that in lieu of a December update. And the appellant was at that hearing as well, and we did also talk about tree removal at that hearing. Okay, um, uh, so the the latest and greatest, uh, this is still on the same uh, topic, and I'll get to my second one soon, guys, sorry. Uh, you know, um, one of the, the, the finer projects that uh, I've seen in this city is the Francisco, is it the Francisco Park? Park. Uh, just a wonderful project and, and a great addition in, uh, to our city, and congratulations to Rec and Park and your completion of of that wonderful park. Um, looking at that park, which took how long? I wasn't involved with that park. I don't know off the top uh, of my head, sorry. Probably f five to seven to 10 years since it was a, mm -hmm. uh, a storage, water storage area. Um, wh what was the, do you have any information on whether the outreach was uh, similar or, uh, or any, any more or less than, than this park? Um, we worked with the Francisco Park Conservancy on that project. I've worked on a lot of projects, but I didn't work on that one. But I have our division manager, Stacy Bradley, online. If uh, she's online as a panelist, if it's helpful, I can ask her to opine on that. Okay. Uh, in rebuttal, can you answer that question, please? Yes. Just, uh, the, the issue, since the appellant brought up the issue of uh, community involvement, that, that would be a, a prudent mm -hmm. thing to 
investigate just to, just to compare one successful product to an up and coming sure. project. I mean, I can, I can say unequivocally that there were many more meetings done for a spree, but because I wasn't directly involved with Francisco, I don't feel it appropriate to comment on the specifics of the comparison. Right, uh, we'll, we'll do that in, uh, in the next session. Um, uh, you, you heard me bring up the, the subject of a holistic project versus uh, a piecemeal project where we're talking about three trees like we did in the last hearing. Um, can you tell me, uh, can you tell me how long, I was on the redevelopment agency uh, commission, so I got, I got history here, uh, but most of this stuff was baked by the time even I was in there. Uh, we, we were terminated, I think, in 2007. Can't remember eight. Um, I was, you know, I was gone because the agency was gone. But I, I have some views uh, from that. From that, um, how how long has this, from beginning to now, how long has been the planning for this park? So, Reckon Park supported the planning department-led public realm plan for all of the central waterfront, which includes Esprit. Reckon Park supported that because we have Esprit Park as our only Reckon Park site in that, that bound, bounded area. And I don't know exactly, I can't remember exactly when that started, but it was a two or three year process from about 2014 or 15 to 2017. Towards the end of that process, UCSF gave their cushioning grant or started offering that funding which then fast-tracked this into its own capital project that Reckon Park owned and, and took on. So that was in the spring of 2017 that that grant proposal was announced, and Reckon Park hosted a first community meeting that I was at and staffed in September 2017. One of the reasons why the process took very long is because there were um, contentious issues around a dog play area, synthetic turf, natural turf, et cetera. Um, trees were not a contentious issue during that process. Okay, so so we are somewhere between, if you take 2014, we're in year nine. If you take 2017, we're in year six. Is that, my math good? 2017, yes. Okay, um, and, and what has been the cost to this point? Uh, what, what, what is the cost of this project to the city of San Francisco, its citizens, its taxpayers, et cetera, um, its funders, the city itself, remember staff time, uh, and, and the taxpayers to this point? I don't have the figures. Are you asking how much money has been expended on the project to date? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't have that. I don't have that figure. The, got, got a guesstimate? Um, no, I can tell you the it's an eight uh, eight million dollar project, just over eight million. The construction contract is for four million, mm -hmm. um, with another uh, four hundred thousand in contingency. I don't have the soft costs available. So, uh, so using your math, given that we're at construction start of four million with a contingency of another four, it's arguable that th at least three million dollars has been spent to this point. Uh, no, that, that's not accurate. That's not accurate. No. I'm, I'm trying to get a number. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, because we still have uh, almost a year of construction, so that's including all of the design, construction management, uh, my time during construction. Um, it's so are we under construction yet? Uh, can you clue me in on this? Uh, we are starting construction this week, and we will not proceed with any of the scope of work in the permit scope uh, we've let the contractor know that we're meeting on site to mark the trees so that they're crystal clear. 
Right. So the so the 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 the, the four million you've you've identified okay. that there's four million of dollars of cost in the construction phase, correct? Correct. Four point three million is so, the construction. So so the the button goes down on on that four million st starting the, the allegedly this week. Correct. All right. So if if the if I'm doing some math, you told me that the whole project is approximately eight million. Mm -hmm. So if four million is starts this week, then and that would finish the project with some contingency set aside. That would, if I did the math, eight minus four equals four, or eight minus four point four. Oh, are you asking about the total soft cost for the project yeah. from start to finish? Yeah. Uh, the t well, uh, where are you right now? Somewhere in a couple million, two million, three million? I'm sorry, I did not anticipate okay. a financial analysis. I didn't okay. prepare for that. Okay. But um, I can say that the soft costs have been high for this project uh, because of the amount of community engagement. Okay. So because of the, the amount of community engagement. Yes. That's a very key imp important point. The, the follow-up question, therefore, is um, <coughs> if this project were further uh, uh, f uh, further uh, postponed uh, and and there was a, a redesign as a result of not removing these trees, what's the financial impact? Got to, got a guess? Um, Significant? Five or six digits at least. Five or six for digits. For the, the redesign, repermitting, uh, uh, the construction contract might have to be well, we wouldn't have to be bid out again, but change order impacts. Right. Um, yeah. Not to mention the loss of time. Not to not to mention the loss of enjoyment by the the public, which of course we can't place a Co cost. Correct. On. And um, escalation. We are definitely seeing escalation claims from contractors on projects that are currently in construction with Rec and Park. Um, and so the reason that we're starting construction is because we feel that we're beholden to the community support and to the city to move forward and not risk a contractor claim. And also in the in the realm of trees, the regulated bird nesting season starts on February 15th. And that um, means, it's always funny to me, I picture like a vacancy, no vacancy sign for birds and that they fly in on the 15th, but um, there really is a risk of, um, of nesting birds in large mature trees and that requires us to have a certified biologist and that takes more time and can also um, cost the city more money. So we're trying to complete as much of the tree work as possible before then, recognizing that we will not move forward with the right-of-way trees under this permit purview until we have the approval. But and, and final question, is it, is it wrong for me to look at this as a holistic, in a holistic project point of view, as I would look at uh, uh, the the building of a new building on what was previously occupied by an old an older building um, in that if, if this was a building project and we were building a brand new state-of-the-art steel and glass marvelously architected and engineered and designed mm -hmm. building on top of what it was a um, considered a, a blighted building or a less desirable building should I be looking at this in that holistic fashion yes this, this is a new, this is a new park that is replacing fully a, a park which was stubs substandard and not serving the needs of the public yes and with a disclaimer that we are preserving as many trees so we're preserving over 60 trees in the two acre park we've done everything we can to um, preserve the canopy that's there but it is a holistic renovation and redoing the infrastructure for the success of future plants and for park users thank you very much sorry guys for going so long commissioner lumber <laughs> thank you so much um i have 
a couple of questions um, in regard to the appellant contention. So uh, one, the, my first question is kind of an odd one, but is, uh, at least according to the appellant in this matter, um, Reckon Park did its own analysis of the trees, of the street trees, rather than Buff doing the analysis. Is that understanding correct? Um, I, I understand the question, and I do not believe that to be correct. Okay. Uh, so, so Buff did do their own, and I, I, obviously that's... Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll move on from that then. Um, uh, the one obvious sticking point that stuck out to me when reading all of the briefing in this was uh, the less than one for one replacement, uh, that it's 38 trees being replaced with 35. Um, and presumably all, all 35 of the new street trees would be of smaller stature than the 38 that are being removed. Is that generally accurate or? I so. Um, I, th I think I heard two questions. Uh, let me try for the first one. So overall, as part of the park renovation, um, we're removing um, we're removing 85 trees and we're replacing them with 92 trees and we're preserving 60. So we have an over one to one ratio. I'll I'll let um, Chris from Buff talk more about the replacement. But the double LA that was mentioned is being replicated. It's just on our park property, so there are more trees being planted. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then uh, another one of the things uh, in the conclusion of the appellant's brief is a suggestion to increase the size of the new trees to 48 inch box trees, and I just kind of wanted to hear your response to that, see if yeah. it's feasible or um, thank you. So I, I think uh, in reading uh, the arborist that the appellant hi, um, worked with as well as the appellant's brief, I'm not sure that they reviewed the tree replacement plan because uh, we are replacing the sycamores or London plane trees with 36-inch boxes. Um, I did look at the request for replacement to 48-inch box, but uh, we made the determination that balancing the, the, the desire for quick replacement of canopy with wanting the trees to be um, robust and resilient and, and maintainable in the long term. Uh, 36 inches was sort of the, the level that we decided on based on that, those criteria. Okay, that makes sense. And then uh, one more similar question. Uh, I believe in your presentation you said that there would only be a 90-day maintenance period after planting, um, and the appellant suggests a three-year maintenance uh, time period. Um, what's Reckon Park's position on, on extending that period of time? Because 90 days does sound short to me. Yeah, and a good, uh, thank you, I will clarify that. So we will certainly be maintaining the trees for much longer than three years. The three months or 90 days is just what's included in the construction contract. So the trees come in, the landscape con subcontractor plants the trees, and as soon as they're planted and the landscape architect accepts them, that starts the clock on the 90 days uh, for plantings. They have to weed, water, et cetera. And then we review the trees at the end of the 90 days, and we can request replacements if any of them are not uh, up to standard. That said, um, the, the maintenance of the trees will then go to our Park Service Area Management and our Operations Division. They've been involved with every step of the way with planning and design, and they will be for construction. 
Um, and I should mention that our Park Service Area Manager, Michelle Pellavicini, is, is here if, if, that's, uh, if any questions are needed. Thank you. Uh, and my last thing's not actually a question, but I, I just, I, President Swig asked a number of questions I was also going to ask, but I, I just want to. Sorry. No, that's fine. It, uh, the important part is we get the information out. So um, I just wanted to uh, thank you for addressing the, uh, the, the, the public feedback processes. I uh, myself am starting a Rec and Park park renovation project uh, in a different neighborhood, but uh, I've been learning a lot about the process, and I appreciate hearing uh, hearing your your position. Thank on you, that. and and I did want to mention that on the heels of the disclosures and recusals, that we have other community members who wanted to speak, but um, because we, Rec and Park does have a grant acceptance agreement with UCSF as well as the uh, Dog Patch Northwest Patricia Hill Green, Green Benefit District, uh, we understood from uh, council review that including executive director or board director would not be appropriate. That said, many of the board members, uh, board of directors members are neighbors who have other interests. So uh, you, you may see less comment than, than reflective because we're really making, trying to make sure we don't have any missteps. Understood, thank you. Thank you, Vice President Lopez. Uh, hi, I also wanted to welcome you and thank you for your presentation. Uh, on that topic of community engagement, I did want to ask about an email that was included in the appellant's brief. Um, it's, it's from May 2019. It has to do with the disclosure of a line item budget. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I'm missing context here, but you know, from my view, it was kind of not ideal because it, it expresses a, a reluctance to release the budget for fear that you know, you'll, the, the agency will, will face questions about it, um, which, you know, it, it kind of runs counter to, you know, what I'm hearing about uh, your commitment to community involvement, uh, which, which does sound significant and apparently also a source of delays and in, in cost outlays. So I just kind of wanted to kind of square that away in my own mind. You know, what, is that something that's normally provided in these projects or something that was an abnormal request? And what was the ultimate uh, culmination of that? Was that was that eventually shared, or what happened there? Thank you. Uh, I'm. I think you're referencing Exhibit One, uh, Plan to Not Disclose Project Budget 2019. Right. Uh, that was written written by a, a previous project manager, supervising project manager. So there've been two project managers on this project, uh, Alexis Ward and myself. This was someone from our supervising team. Um, I did not spend a lot of time to prepare for this because it was three years ago and by a previous project manager and some, somewhat a stretch from the purview of this board. However, I do want to mention that already in May 2019, uh, the uh, tenor of community relations was tense and with um, among certain groups. And so I only uh, actually just was aware of this email when I saw it in the brief. I, I was on maternity leave during this time. Um, but we have shared many budgets for this project. Um, so we had a, an advisory group and they requested that we share kind of line item expenditure or estimated costs, soft costs, hard costs. And so uh, we have shared many versions of budgets. And a lot of the documents that we shared live on the project page of the Reckon Park website. So I would agree with you that this is not 
uh, ideal, and I do not believe it's an accurate representation of current Rec and Park uh, outreach and level of disclosure. And again, you know, I think at this point there were already some um, uh, there were some community interactions that were very challenging for Rec and Park, and so I think there was, you know, this. Uh, this, uh, I think it was also just at a certain point you do everything you can, but if everything is going to be, um, uh, how do I how do I describe it? You do everything you can, um, and then folks are are still finding fault. It's that balance of we're beholden to everyone in the city to deliver a quality project, um, and so we try also not to get to myopic at the cost of the rest of the city. Thank you. Commissioner Trisvina. Yeah, th thank you. Th thank you for, for your presentation. Welcome to the commission. I just have a, a few questions. The Oracle Oak tree assessment, that's, that's, that's from the department, your department, correct? That's from a third party consultant that the department worked with, yes. Right. So the department stands behind the assessment? Yes. Um, there was some question brought up by the appellants about the poor to moderate, moderate to excellent condition of the trees. Uh, in, in table three uh, in, in, uh, in the report, it says 54% of the trees are poor to moderate of condition. Mm -hmm. Uh, elsewhere, it says that 64% of the trees are moderate to high suitability for preservation. Are those, are, are both of those things accurate? Yeah, the tree assessments are very complicated. Um, and I do have Larry Costello as part of the project team on to answer more questions that I cannot fully answer. Mm -hmm. um, we looked at the assessment that Oracle Oak and Larry Costello did was a hazard tree assessment. So that's one thing there. There's the size of the component, the failure potential, and then the target. So that's a 12-point rating system. Then there's suitability for preservation. Then there's comments on structure. Um, and so I, are you looking at the, I can look at the specific page. No, no that, that, that helps me for, for, for what I need. But just so uh, either you or Mr. Costello can answer, the 64% of the trees that are suitable for preservation, those are the, are we talking about 64% of the entire property or of the 38 that Correct. are Correct, and I should have made that um, clarification. The assessment was done for the entire property. Okay, okay. From so, Rec and Park, and then right. the Bureau of Urban Forestry assessed the right-of-way tree specifically. Right, right, <clears throat> and you've done a variety of, of, of tree surveys over a period of time and lost some trees and found them other years, and uh, I'm really confused how you, how you can lose a tree other than a tree dying, but that's we have we we can only go with the data that we, that we have um big picture and and I'm, I'm asking this and partly in the context of the discussion we just had over the three trees at green street so how long is this project when, when was the beginning of this project concept the wreck and park started planning picking up from broader planning that the planning department had done in september of 2017. Okay, so five and a half years. When did in when did we decide that the trees should be removed? The trees were first assessed in 2019 by Larry Castell and Oracle Oak mm -hmm. as part of our planning and prior to finalizing a concept design, and then we did a follow-up assessment in 2021, and then a follow-up assessment in 2022. 
So can you say, can you state what is the reason for the trees being removed? The tree removal is mostly because of the condition of the trees and also because of construction impacts for certain trees. Um, but the construction impacts, and, and I think Bureau of Urban Forestry may be able to shed some light on this, but construction impacts <clears throat> have to do with whole-scale infrastructure replacement of the park. So it's not like we're just, the, the design team worked very hard to minimize construction impacts, but the design intent is to increase accessibility in the park. They're currently, the pathways are not accessible. To also um, define user areas, which include an off-leash dog play area, and then a, a no-dog meadow, exercise equipment, et cetera. And so that, in, that involves some mounding, you know, you doing some topography work and having an additional pathway. So construction impacts, I would say, a small handful of trees on the list would be removed for construction impact. The sycamores, which are um, almost half of the trees that are the purview of this permit, are being replaced. Their import or the condition, the condition is not good. There's there's anthracnose signs, etc. And then they're being replaced just inside the park. And this, you know, Reckon Park has come a long way with maintenance. Um, we are committed to to uh, maintaining the new trees. We we are concerned that if we leave trees that are not in good condition or even in two or out of five condition, that what costs will replacing them in five years or 10 years be? And how will they be incorporated into the infrastructure that we're spending four plus million dollars to and, um, replace? Right, hence my referencing the discussion we just had, because, well, we'll get to my, uh, my argument on it later, but how, if you could say out of 100%, how much of, how much of the decision to removing the trees is about soil condition, the trees can't last, versus this is a new park, we brought, the community needs one, there's more population moving in, the community is excited about it, we've had all these stakeholder meetings, and we want a new park. And these new, now these trees are inconvenient for these other purposes. How much of, of the decision to remove 38 trees is that versus these 38 trees can't survive in this area. I think the majority is for park purpose. I, I definitely listened to the, the previous appeal. Uh, I don't think these, these trees likely would not have been assessed by the Bureau of Urban Forestry just passing by or as part of routine maintenance. They were assessed as part of due diligence as part of a capital project. So um, we have removed trees within the park in the past for you know hazard uh, hazardous conditions. Um, so I, I think we are refreshing the park, but it's not a disingenuous construction impact. The conditions, you know, we stand by Larry Costello's <clears throat> assessment of the tree conditions as fair, poor, moderate, you know, as outlined in the assessments. Right. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't question his evaluation of them, but, but as I read it, 64% of the trees overall are suitable for preservation. And to finally, I would just comment that this project is, and, and your work and others' work are producing more trees rather than fewer trees and a lot more shrubs. Is that right? Correct, and we're preserving over 60 trees in the park. So that is, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know if I could do the math quickly on that, but it is a large fraction. Thank you.
Okay, thank you. I don't see any further questions, so we'll now hear from the Bureau of Urban Forestry. Good evening, Commissioners. Chris Buck with San Francisco Public Works, Bureau of Urban Forestry. Um, thank you for all your work. I know we really get into the details on these projects, and I appreciate it. Um, what we have before you, you've just heard a lot of detail on, so I can kind of jump right into it. Um, my initial general feedback is I did review the appellant's brief, and kind of the primary um, point that I think is most important for Public Works to address, you've heard this before, but it's important to repeat it, is that we, Public Works does evaluate trees uh, individually, trees that are in the public right of way under our jurisdiction. So I do want to assure commissioners and the public that we uh, absolutely review the trees on a case by individual tree, as, and that's really largely what I'm going to go through here. Um, we definitely did not just receive Rack and Park's evaluation and say, great. Um, Larry Costello, is, uh, he's been an educator for many years. He used to be the head of UC Cooperative Extension efforts with um, arboriculture, urban forestry, so a kind of a statewide a civil servant. Um, so that's a, a company name I'm really pleased to see involved with the project, as, as well as Hort Science previous. Um, so we are, Public Works is pleased with the professionals who are involved with this project. And so uh, moving on to the, the PowerPoint, um, what I really want to do is, is just do a visual tour of the trees that are proposed for removal. Along Minnesota Street, we have street trees that are planted along the, the sidewalk curb. And then there are trees that are what we refer to as back of sidewalk. They're still technically in the public right of way under the jurisdiction of public works. So this is one of those rare projects where you could say, you know, one city, one team. Well, we still like to break out in our jurisdictions and make sure that trees in our purview and under our jurisdiction are being looked after. So that's why we look at our trees. I will say, I'm not going to comment too much about trees in the park, but I will say from my observations is that the really large, big trees, the sequoias, the redwoods, the trees that I would personally um, want to make sure are being advocated for retention and are planned for retention are, in fact, planned for retention. Um, so you'll see that in uh, the image that we go through. So all the slides I'm about to wing you through right now were um, created by staff from Bureau of Urban Forestry, Sarah Stacy, and Marcus Dotson before her. So these are all images that we took ourselves in our own time for public works and with our own um, feedback about tree conditions. And what you'll find is that these platanus or sycamore trees um, are really in poor condition. And so that's what we're going to take you a tour through. Um, again, this is the PowerPoint that our staff presented at the public works hearing. I literally, I planned for the whole day on this, and I pulled it up, and I said, my job's done here. I mean, Sarah Stacy, who works for us, is a powerhouse, and she put a lot of time into reviewing the trees, working closely with the project team, and pulling all this together. Um, but so this is an example, this tree in the background that's hiding 
behind the tree in the foreground. Like that's an example of a smaller tree where we're saying the condition is fair or good. Again, Rec and Park looks at this, they're like, well, we're considering that a bush. Public works, our code is a little bit more inclusive. If it's large and woody, a plant that's large and woody is a tree. So, well, that's, that's woody. Um, large is up for debate, but it is a woody plant. So we have a number of quote unquote trees that Rec and Park referred to as shrubs that um, we wanted to be more inclusive, always more inclusive in what we um, include for the public. So this is the visual tour. This is the state of many of the platinus trees here, the sycamores, really poor condition. Uh, again, this, these sort of secondary understory, if you will, back of sidewalk that creates a little bit of this um, visual LA um, kind of tunnel, you know, it is unique. There's not a lot of parks that I can, I can think of that, that have this. That said, condition is fair, tree is very small. Um, this is a platinus again, um, condition is poor. Again, very small tree. Uh, this is a platinus, really poor condition. I will point out that the platinus trees, that, which are large stature here, are the ones that would be replaced with 36 inch box size trees. Again, very small tree, small tree, small, that's a platinus. Um, but as you can see, these are trees that are back of sidewalk. And if they're large, they're a platinus or a sycamore in poor condition. If they're smaller, they're more shrub-like. Some of them are in fair to good condition, but again, we are not losing out by approving these trees for removal. And so, again, I, I just wanted you to look at the visual of, of what's being proposed for removal. These are trees that are either in poor condition or would not be suitable for retention as part of the overall project. They would be severely impacted this tree would be severely impacted. Adding better soil and drainage, great, but how much root excavation, compaction, and <clears throat> loss of fine absorbing roots would occur for this would be uh, make it not sustainable. We would end up with a bunch of trees that are really in, in even worse condition than they all already are. So these trees are in very poor condition. Again, if there are trees that are in good condition, there are the much smaller ones that are forming more of an understory. So as you can see, there's no giant sequoias, no redwoods. Um, the real feature trees in this park are the trees that will remain and be retained as part of this. If we had a row of redwoods in great condition along the back of the sidewalk, 30 seconds. We would need to get together and have a meeting of the community and the mines. You know, so I did want to present this information. Just take the time to go through individually. I think a lot of the other details, no questions in our mind about tree protection, the planting plan, and following up on that. There's park commissions. There's public meetings. I, I feel really good about the follow through on this. That's not a concern for us. This is the one, the redwood that's proposed for removal. Very Thank you this time. Thank you. I Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. We have questions from President Swig, Commissioner Lemberg, and Vice President Lopez. So uh, let's go back to my trying to pick a fight thing. Um, so the, the one of the in the the Pellin's brief uh, the, and in her conversation, I she was 
um, focused on the replacement of not 36, but a 48 inch uh, boxed size trees. Um, do you, can I get an opinion on that? Is that gonna be consistent with my previous lectures from you on the subject? Uh, thank you, Commissioner Swig. I, I, it was great to hear you um, lead off the, the hearing this evening with some of those questions. We, the smaller the plant, the faster it transplants and establishes. So we planted a tree for uh, Cesar Chavez on Cesar Chavez Street. And I swear it's just about as big as it was when we planted it. Um, but it feels great when you put in a really big tree. Um, but smaller trees establish more quickly. They will catch up and potentially surpass that larger tree that you start with. So from that perspective, 36-inch box size trees for the platinus that are being removed is very reasonable. I like that size because they're a little bit larger than the 24-inch box, so less prone to vandalism from pedestrians. Now, they're gonna be protected quite a bit, but they're a little bit more robust. Um, are there not eyes on, on that spot 24-7? They can withstand more um, impulse vandalism. So I also want to point out that when there's private development and we're losing trees because of sort of the private use of, of the right of way, such as garage, that's where we do step aside and say, you know what, if someone's gonna, well one, our code does require, when, when we are denying removal, because we say these trees are good, if approved, we want, we want comparable sizes to go in. We, we want that, we wanna capture that carbon. I do think that from a cost-benefit analysis, you're going to catch up and get and reap those benefits sooner by replacing these trees. And you know, when you put a larger tree in, you also are, are really upping the amount of water you need to deliver to that tree. Another argument. So I, I agree with you, um, where your line of questioning was going. I, I do think um, this is not a private development, you know, and I think. Public Works recognizes that some of these trees that are currently in our jurisdiction will become rec and park jurisdiction through the the vacation of the public right of way. Um, so your, your your advocacy is 36, not 48. Correct, because it it would be consistent with how we've really approached a lot of cases before, and consistent with our argument. Um, it's it's sort of the holistic. This is a park. This is environmental benefits. Um, I, I just think it's a heavy lift for the project. You, you know, you're suddenly adding on a considerable amount of funding to a, a, probably a project that already feels limited. So, but, it, but it's not only the funding, because the argument on the funding, aha, you guys just want to save money. But really, realistically, from, an, uh, from a... Uh, a flora standpoint and the health of the flora standpoint, it is advisable to go to 36 versus 48. That's what I'm... It strikes... Wondering. I think that's a perfect balance for this project and this site. 36 is a, is a great balance for those Okay, trees. thank you for that, and I'll uh, uh, let Commissioner Lemberg take it from here. Thank you, as always, Mr. Buck. I um, only have one small question, but first I just wanted to say... Um, that uh, 
I'm very glad you presented on what you did, which is the uh, actual trees that are being removed because reading the materials, it was not clear what type of trees were being removed. And I was like, oh my God, they're removing 38 redwood trees. Uh, and I had a little bit of a panic attack, but I, that panic has subsided, so thank you. Um, my one question slash concern, I guess, um, we've, we've talked a number of times in the last few meetings here uh, about the southeastern quadrant of the city's lack of tree cover, uh, and I just wanted to get your opinion on how, uh, how this project overall is going to contribute to uh, tree cover in, in, in the southeastern quadrant of the city that is underserved. Sure, uh, thank you, Commissioner. The, you know, Public Works is, is largely looking at what's within the public right-of-way and, and under our purview in this case. When trees are in poor condition, you know, I asked our interim director, gosh, when do we, you know, it's a 10-inch diameter tree, or, you know, can we require, you know, some large number of, of replacement trees that are equating that value? One challenge is that when we find that the tree condition is poor, you know, we're starting to say, well, there, there isn't value there. Now, there is, there is certainly aesthetic value, and there's carbon. Um, I mean, some, again, some of those processes are slowed down quite a bit when the trees are performing so poorly. Um, I don't, uh, it could be seen as an opportunity to inject um, some benefit into the southeast area of the city. I would, my take as the urban forester, I've lived in, at, near 3rd and Palou for 20 years, so I've, I've gone by and I've watched this neighborhood grow. I know quite a, a number of the leaders in, in the neighborhood. And, you know, I see this as taking this park to 2.0. It's really grown up quite a bit. A lot of developments go in. We have Crane Cove, a bunch of other things. I see this as, as this is a park park renovation. The trees that matter to me as an urban forester, the real mitigating trees, are all slated to remain. Quality um, people involved that'll guide their protection. So from that standpoint, I feel like the public's being served because the most valuable trees here are remaining. Um, so from, from that perspective, um, we have an urban forest plan regarding planting of street trees that'll, that'll keep uh, moving along. So it's related. We're one city, one family. Um, it is a little bit of its own uh, opportunity with, within that space. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We are now moving on to public comment. Is there anyone here in person who would like to provide public comment? Please approach the microphone. You have two minutes, sir. And uh, if you could spill out a, uh, fill out a speaker card when you're done and hand it to Alec. All right. Thank you. Uh, my name is George Slack, and I'm a longtime resident uh, in Dogpatch, and, and that's this whole area. I'm, I saw the trees when they were planted. Um, and over the years, have uh, spent a lot of time visiting the park. And uh, every year, I say, what is wrong with that tree? You know, it's got brown leaves. It's got, it's shrinking. It's not growing. You know, it, it might have been planted 10 years ago, and it's only four feet high. You know, so there's something wrong. And, and I think that what has been discovered through this whole pro process is that there are just fundamental 
issues with drainage <clears throat> and soil uh, and, and rocks underneath, but basically poor drainage and, and the soil being as poor as it is. So I think the, uh, that all the improvements that, and through a very complicated process with a very tense neighborhood uh, divisions on certain aspects of the project uh, have contributed to uh, delays which are really impacting uh, costs and uh, but that's the neighborhood you know you can't you can't just say forget it you know we have to deal with each other so finally I think that this plan is turned out to be spectacular and very forward-thinking and you talk about the 2.0 it might go further than that. Thank anyway, you. I'm not a professional. Um, don't have qualifications in this, but I do have a, a real interest in trees and planting, and I, I do actually uh, plant trees from nuts, which I think is a good way to go in the neighborhood. They, um, I have a, a landmark tree, a landmark um, buckeye. Thank you. Thank um, you, that's time. In the back of my building. Yes, and sir. Thank you so much. Yes, Your time right. is up. Thank you. Thank you for participating. Is there anyone else in the room who would like to provide public comment? Okay, so we will go to Zoom. If you are here for public comment, raise your hand, please. Mr. Clip, please go ahead. Uh, thanks. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Three points. Um, at 13.7%, San Francisco has the smallest urban canopy of any major city in the United States. And according to the tree equity calculator, the area of the Spree Park has a 2% tree canopy. This is exactly the kind of place you do not take out viable trees, let alone take out 38 trees and replace them with only 35. Second, if you look at a map of San Francisco's urban heat islands, this part of the city is lit up like a Christmas tree, which is not surprising because there are freeways running all over this part of town, including one that runs directly over at Spree Park. So these existing trees are doing incredibly hard work for this community. And the last thing the neighborhood needs is fewer trees, poor air quality, and even greater impacts of urban heat islands. Third, Rec Park routinely proposes to remove street trees for construction and access. It did this at Margaret Hayward in D5, at Washington Square in D3, where incidentally, almost a dozen huge trees inside the park originally slated for preservation were cut down during construction. And Rec Park's materials, by the way, do not indicate 36-inch box replacements. They say 24-inch box. Also, if you look at Rec Park's public materials, Minnesota Street looks like a street full of mature trees, not baby ones. So that's misleading. As to community engagement, I saw that email referred to by the commission, but what I didn't see was a subsequent apology from Rec Park or any attempt to reset the tenor of that community relationship. And based on my professional experience as an attorney and mediation judge, these things don't just tend to reset themselves. So it's hard to believe that this was just a one-off that later simply self-corrected. So I would respectfully request that this appeal be upheld. 30 seconds. If it is not, Rec Park be required to implement a much more robust replacement plan, including minimally one-to-one, -one, larger box sizes, defined replacement schedules, defined maintenance schedules, consequences for noncompliance, and contingencies in the event of pre-mortality. Certainly this project and its sponsor can afford this. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We will now hear from John Nolte. Go ahead, Mr. Nolte, you have two minutes. You need to unmute yourself. Okay. Oh, hi. Um, uh, good evening, Commissioners. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Okay, great. Um, 
First off, um, I didn't hear anything about it since the, I did hear this weirdness about the um, park is now going to be getting into spaces that the three trees currently are in. So therefore, DPW is releasing its responsibility for all the street trees. Therefore, it's under Reckon Park to maintain street trees. Well, Reckon Park has had a poor uh, uh, history of maintaining trees and even uh, keeping the trees that are in parks up and safe. Um, I, I see this in a lot of parks around the city where they're missing trees around the, the around the, the park uh, they don't have enough money we have we've had like three or four bond measures just on parks for to fund parks in, in the last 10 15 years of, in the city uh, so you know a lot of money go, going into these parks that the record park wants to have but record park doesn't even keep track of its trees and it's, it's been noted that they don't keep track and so I would be concerned about them even um, uh, relinquishing these trees because uh, we're talking about street trees here, which are being appealed here. I would not recommend that these trees be uh, given over to Rec and Park um, and that uh, they stay within the jurisdiction of DPW. And also that when these trees are planted, seconds. Uh, if they are planted uh, uh, around the park, that they uh, be also be... Uh, uh, screen and poles to hold them up to protect them. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Is there any further public comment? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see any hands raised, so we will move on to rebuttal. Ms. Lewis, you have three minutes. First of all, I want to answer President Swig's question. There is a best practice with regard to community engagement. It's from South Park and actually the current landscape architect for this project was served on that um, project. And what it is is that you keep an, a small group of stakeholders representing all the community stakeholders, 18 to 20, you keep them in place through the life of the project. And so um, I do wanna clarify that this wasn't um, one group versus Rec Park. It was actually Rec Park dismissed the entire advisory group because all 18 stakeholders were in violent agreement and, and not in agreement with Red Park, which is why we asked Super, um, Supervisor Walton for an intervention. And so that was another five months. Secondly, um, one of the benefits of this intact advisory group through the life of the project is that when you have change orders or you're making trade-offs, that's when you want a group of knowledgeable people who have the history. This didn't happen. Um, we were told at NCAC that um, Melinda was now value engineering the park, which means she was making trade-offs on behalf of the community and the community wasn't involved. We do not want this project to, to have gone over budget. We wanted it to be done two years ago. And, um, and I do wanna clarify that robust community engagement is when there's a conversation. It's not when there's just a presentation. So that is why, um, appearing for 20 minutes in front of NCAC, appearing for 20 minutes at UCSF. I'm a CAG member. Yes, I was there too, but that's not engagement. And Melinda, um, thank you. I actually quoted you because I attended that meeting, as you said, um, and I noted that on my markup today, 
that that meeting did happen. However, it was at that meeting when you said, for budget reasons, you would not be able to do go to 18 different community groups, which is realistic. That's why you have an ECAG. <laughs> so you don't have to do 18 meetings. You only have to do one. Um, and with that, I'll give the rest of my time over to Roy. Um, I just want to draw um, attention to Irma Lewis's slide number two to look at the quote unquote consistently trees that are in full leaf and absolutely gorgeous. They're providing lots of environmental benefits and public benefit. They are functional, healthy trees, foundationally. Sure, there is anthracnose on a leaf here and there seasonally, but that typically occurs and causes a problem at the end of the growing cycle. And sure, there Thank are you. That's small time. dead branches. But uh, okay, thank you, Mr. Leggett. Oh, your time is you're up. Welcome. Thank you. Okay, we will now hear from Rec and Park Department. Ms. Sullivan, you have three minutes. Uh, thank you, Commissioners, City staff. A couple points I wanted to touch on. You asked as part of rebuttal to speak on cost to date. Um, my colleagues have pulled this up while I'm here. So our costs are less than a million dollars so far, possibly around 700,000. Uh, you also asked Francisco Outreach versus Esprit. I believe we had about four community meetings for Francisco Park. Uh, for Esprit, we had four noticed meetings before the concept design was approved. Uh, we've had two publicly noticed meetings since then. We, I've also had one, two, three, four, five, nine or ten uh, community advisory group meetings, and we've made presentations to other groups as well and had have had meaningful dialogue with the community. Um, I want to say in terms of um, the public comment about Rec and Park taking on the trees or not taking on the trees. We are here tonight um, because we submitted a permit due to the current uh, jurisdiction. And so I think that's what's under review this evening. Uh, I mentioned the street vacation details uh, for transparency uh, and to give confidence to the board that uh, whichever agency is responsible in the future, the trees will be maintained. Uh, and the public outreach process, especially over the last few years, has often put me in a position of feeling defensive and I, I always am inspiring my project team and encouraging them to take a breath and realize that we are making a huge improvement to this park. And we are putting in uh, trees, lighting, accessible paths. This is a park that is very much supported by the community, as you can see in the written testimony provided uh, last week. And um, I appreciate your support. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So we have a question from President Swig. Um, so the the appellant just said that the first I think it was 18 people or the, forget the number uh, that the, there was a community advisory board um, and they were uh, seemingly summarily dismissed after a certain point due to uh, the word violent you uh, was used disagreement. Um, can, dare, dare I ask what the violent <laughs> disagreement and, and why I've sat on community advisory boards um, and I've s seen and I've experienced them. I know what mm -hmm. it means to sit in the room and have 
conversation, disagreement, compromise, and collaboration. Uh, so what ha what happened on, on that, yep. please? So the, we so, did. I'm sorry. Who are you asking? I'm. Uh, I'm sorry. It was my comment, right? Are yeah. So I'm not asking it of you. I'm asking it of uh, Miss Sullivan. Miss Sullivan. Exactly. So the Esprit Community Advisory Group was set up by Rec and Park in collaboration with the Green Benefit District. Uh, this was based on a suggestion that came from UCSF based on their community advisory group model. They have a, a community advisory group uh, altogether. So one of their community folks had recommended this model. Uh, we started meeting and we had meetings from May 2018 to July 2020. And we had one, two, three, four, eight or nine meetings as well as a park tour. Uh, we also hired, Rec and Park hired an external community facilitator. So the idea of the community advisory group was to have representation from different groups. Uh, we were really transparent with information. Um, but as I sort of mentioned in my previous presentation, uh, Rec and Park was starting to feel like this advisory group was not representative of the larger community. And so it wasn't a violent disbandment of a group. It was just saying, you know what, not everyone's in the room. Let's expand our outreach and, and move to publicly notice community meetings. Uh, some of this had to do with the tenor of interactions at the time. And so we then had from um, February, 20, February 1st, 2020 and December 3rd, 2020, two additional meetings as well as an online survey. Uh, we briefed um, Supervisor Walton and met with other community groups during that time. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I don't see any further questions, so we'll now hear from the department. Anything further? No? Okay, commissioners, this matter is submitted. Uh, Commissioner Lemberg, would you like to start at this time? Why not? Um, there was a lot to take in here tonight in this, uh, in this line item, uh, on this agenda item. I. I I'm leaning toward denying the appeal. I think um, the answers to the many questions that we've had have been answered, certainly to my satisfaction. Um, I, I, I also, you know, I, I definitely hear the appellant's arguments. I, what I didn't hear was great support for their arguments. Um, and ultimately that's what we have that's what we have to go off of. Um, and I, uh, I am very encouraged by Mr. Buck's presentation and visual depictions of the trees. I, I, I'm a very visual person, and so seeing uh, the, the visuals of the trees that were to be removed, um, I think quelled a lot of my fears about this project uh, based just on the briefings that we reviewed prior to today. Um, and I think for that reason, I would be inclined to, to deny the appeal and let the project move forward. Thank you, Mr. Trisvenia. Thank you, thank you, President Swig. I am struck by the juxtaposition of the previous item and the consideration of this matter. And I, I, I wish that, uh, I wish that some of the what I hear emerging from this discussion uh, was present in the previous discussion. The discussion about valid reasons to remove trees, an appreciation of it here, um, not so much in the previous item. Uh, the notion about replacing 
existing trees with stronger trees. It's, it seems to be important to this discussion, less important to the last discussion. The issue about doing it now versus doing it later. So I, I think that uh, I, I appreciate all of, the, all of the public comment, the various emails that we have received uh, over the past uh, week as part, of, as part of the materials, all, all of the voluminous reports from, from the experts, certainly the work of the, of the departments and, and of the public. Uh, and, and the concerns and the concerns that you all have raised about um, about uh, public access to the process, all of these things are very very important. I am uh, again, I find this a close call. Uh, I'm I'm I am inclined to join Commissioner Lemberg uh, in how he comes out on this, but but I do think that as we move forward in 2023 on tree cases, um, there are, there are a lot of valid considerations, and I and I, I just want to I want to appreciate the work of the, the substantive work of the departments and of the experts and of the public. Um, but but I, 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 I'm troubled by, uh, I, 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 I'm troubled that we have yet to grasp, I think, a, a consistent uh, treatment of, of, the, of these issues. Commissioner Lopez, please. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll echo uh, you know, a lot of the, the comments of the previous speakers, uh, you know, particularly the uh, uh, Mr. Lemberg's, or uh, sorry, what's, what's the proper? Mix. Mix, Mix Lemberg's, thank you. Uh, Mix Lemberg's uh, comments about um, the visuals being particularly helpful, particularly the, just the, the cutest, saddest little redwood tree I think I've, I've ever seen. Uh, and I do think, you know, back to the, uh, to Mr. Tresvina's comments about, you know, the, I do agree that it's a complex balancing that needs to occur. Uh, I also, in my mind, do think that there is a very compelling uh, interest in this project here in a way that uh, I was not, you know, as convinced existed in, in the previous matter. And I think that, um, that given, given the, the size of the cap canopy uh, that's, that's being impacted versus replacement trees uh, and the overall nature of, of the project, I, I am convinced that, that it's appropriate to, to deny the appeal in this case. I did want to, you know, comment, and I appreciate Ms. Sullivan's comments about, you know, directing the, the team to, to remind folks of, um, of, of the, 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 the posture in service that, that we uh, within the city should take vis-a-vis -vis public comment. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I did, you know, note in my earlier questioning uh, being a little bit concerned about about that email in particular and how it may be indicative of you know the dynamic that existed, I do think that you know and, and I understand it also going back to uh, president Swig's comments about about these these types of meetings and and the the dynamic the tense dynamic that can exist uh, at times uh, and I understand you know when when we as as agents 
in in a project, we get invested, right? And and we want to see it to uh, completion, uh, especially when when the you know when when your slides for the end uh, state of the park are as compelling as they are, you want to get there. Um, but we're also you know mere custodians of these positions and these projects. And at the end of the day, you know that public uh, input um, is is why we're here, right? And so I think we need to we need to always have that in mind. And and it, it does seem like there was a communication breakdown that that occurred. And I I do think that uh, I I want to applaud Ms. Sullivan's comments and also emphasize you know more broadly that we need to uh, to be to be the big, bigger people right as as you know the being custodians for for the city vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, input that we may not like to hear or questions that we may not like to receive um, but with that said uh, I will uh, support denying the appeal Commissioner Lindbergh I, I just wanted to add, I, I I do think some of the concerns that the appellants had in this matter were legitimate. I, what I don't think they were were legitimate as to the subject matter of this appeal, which is the removal of and replacement of street trees. Um, and I, I definitely, I, I just want to point that out. And I, I, I did feel... Uh, kind of bad afterwards for not having any questions for the appellants who got far less time to speak than Reckon Park and Buff did uh, as a result of our panel's questions. Uh, and I, I do feel kind of bad about that, but ultimately I am not seeing a lot of evidence toward go the specific replacement of these street trees, um, especially after being shown the street trees that are being removed. So I, I just wanted to add that on. Uh, and I, I don't want it, this to be a deterrent to future community groups or community members uh, from, you know, uh, from filing appeals on issues like this because these are big projects. They're issues of, of significant public concern. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, as my fellow commissioners have said, uh, we received significant public comment on both sides of this. Um, but ultimately, I do think that the, uh, the, the legitimate concerns from the appellants were for other parts of this project and not necessarily for uh, what's in front of us tonight. Um, and we don't have the ability to make sweeping decisions about the entire project. We're only here on the public works order regarding the removal and replacement of 38 street trees. So I just wanted to add that. Thank you. Commissioner Lemberg, I would like to applaud you on getting us focused on what the subject of this appeal was, and that's very important. Thank you for getting us on track on what we are evaluating tonight. And I guess your prize is that you can uh, make the motion. I move to deny the appeal on the basis that the order was properly issued. Okay. Um, on Commissioner Lemberg's motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trezvina? Aye. Commissioner, uh, I'm sorry, President Swig? Aye. Thank you. Okay, so that motion carries four to zero, and the appeal is denied. And we're done. Thank you. This we'll concludes see you in the a couple hearing. weeks. Thank you.